Welcome once again to Superhero Stuff You Should Know. As we wrap our June tribute to Batman 89, this is once again Ben Man 89, and he hath returned. <laughs> I am back, indeed. <laughs> I'm sorry I wasn't there for Carl Newman. Oh man, that seemed like a good one. I had some scheduling problems. Uh, I've and the whole history of this whole podcast, I have missed two recordings. I think. Uh, so sorry about that, Ben. Sorry to the audience, uh, for anybody that cared, <laughs> but, um, that's what happened. So there it is. Anyway, I am Andrew book, the lover no of audio books. Welcome back, Andrew book. And, uh, <laughs> we are going to cover a book today, specifically the book for Batman 89, the Batman 89 novelization, different from the movie as we have here. So we previously covered the Batman Forever novelization. We might as well do it for Batman 89. I mean, it is the it is our biggest audience for it. So The people uh, have spoken. Indeed. It's very yes. clear on YouTube analytics. Yes. Let's put, let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, unlike Batman Forever, this one is not by friend of the podcast, Peter David. So <laughs> Oh, friend of the podcast, Peter David. Yes, so let's go right into it. The, <laughs> the Batman 89 novelization uh, is written by Craig Shaw Gardner. So Craig Shaw Gardner, for a bit of background, uh, not a uh, major like comic book name like Peter David. Craig Shaw Gardner was an author who had managed a comic book store in the 80s, and his previous novelization, funny enough, was for a Joel Schumacher movie, the classic The Lost Boys. So, oh, wow. Okay, so yeah. that's how he got that gig? Yeah, I'm not sure if the comic book part was related to it, but uh, I just know that's a prior novelization he had written. So okay. he, I, I'm not sure necessarily why he specifically was picked for this. It's just he already had an established record of having written a novelization, I guess for a dark stylized movie of the 80s. So they thought, eh, why not? So uh, in preparation for this novel, Craig Shaw Gardner was actually invited to the set to get the feel for the film which was awesome, but he was also specifically wow. not, he was specifically asked to not talk to any of the actors or to Tim Burton. So maybe that's not so awesome, but I get it. They're they probably busy at the time. They want, didn't want to get interrupted by some guy who's writing something they're not really involved with at all. Do not offer any prune juice to Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> he, he's actually 28 or however old he was playing a 12 year old, <laughs> yes. not 45. Like he looks. Yes. Uh, so Crickshaw Gardner says in an interview of Comics Alliance that uh, on set he only really saw Kim Basinger anyway, but he did have some dirt on why he didn't see Jack Nicholson and, and um, Michael Keaton. So apparently Jack Nicholson wasn't there because he and Burton uh, were having a I'm disagreement. Sorry. I was in Batman Forever mode still because you mentioned Peter Davis. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no worries. So I, I, I went straight to the. We Chris knew what O'Donnell you were talking joke. about. <laughs> we knew what you were talking about. Oh my about. God! Yes, eighty nine. Here we go. I'm, I'm ready. Chris O'Donnell was in his thirties at this time, so no, he was. He was yeah. probably. <laughs> he was only forty five in nineteen eighty nine. <laughs> yeah, so now Jack Nicholson apparently had a disagreement with Tim Burton and was not on the set, so I don't know what was going on there. But okay. Oh well. Uh, Michael Keaton had to delay his next scene as well because the seams of the bat suit, I guess, were coming apart. So he was a no show that day too. His so it was just amazing. Were rippling too much. <laughs> yes, that day. So uh, I don't know what was going on, but that was the day. But he, you know, was deliberately 
told not to interact with the actors anyway, so it's not like he missed out that much. He did get to look at the Batmobile. They did not let him sit in it, but he did get to you know peek inside. So uh, he did at least get that opportunity because I don't think that would happen. Uh, he's, I mean, he's, he's from the UK, or he uh, was flown to, from you know America what? to, to a, see the set. Yeah, that's a good question. I believe, yeah, he's American, so he must have been flown, or he already was living there. He must have been flown. Which is okay. kind of wild to think, because like, first off, they don't really do novel novelizations these days, or at least not as often. And even no, they if don't. they did it now, yeah, like even if they did, there's no way they're going to be like, yeah, we'll fly you to <laughs> the set so you can get a feel for it. Yeah, and, what a different uh, all time, huh? Yeah. So this guy was this guy got basically a once in a lifetime opportunity type of thing. So it's it was <laughs> great. Uh, I was initially unsure about doing a whole episode devoted to the novelization because I'm like, you know what? It mainly has a lot of the deleted scenes we've already covered. So I wasn't sure, but on a few people's suggestions, I reread it and I found that not only does it have these deleted scenes that we've talked about, but it also has things that Craig Shaw Gardner himself added to the story to kind of add okay. more depth to it. So that's why we're devoting... An extra thing. It is not to the level of Peter David just outright being like, you know what, I'm just going to completely rewrite Two Faces Death in this. Like, it, it's not quite that level. Okay. But it is pretty different. So, we're going to go into kind of a recap of some of the deleted scenes that we've talked about before that are in the novel because we have them and some of our viewers might be new and haven't caught that episode. And some of the added material from Craig Shaw Gardner on this. Not every detail, but the main stuff. And the second half will be completely devoted to entire sequences that are different from the movie. Thanks to the okay. script that he was basing it on. So here we go. Uh, last week, I talked with Batsuit double Carl Newman about the original introduction to Batman in this movie. We were supposed to have seen him at the top of the Gotham Cathedral among the gargoyles, and it is described in the script as well as the novelization, saying that the gargoyles watch over Gotham City, and they were monsters meant to, quote, keep the evil spirits away. But these gargoyles only watched the evil and listened to the screams until one of the gargoyles moved. Welcome to Gotham City. So uh, great, great prose from uh, Craig Shaw Gardner on that description. And there's Carl in the bat suit uh, in the Gotham Cathedral that is uh, oh, wow. sadly not in the movie. Instead, it's replaced by some animation of Batman, just the silhouette of Batman walking away. And it's not doesn't look nearly as cool as this one shot. So um, I know that you... Unfortunately, you weren't there for that episode, but I, I did tell Carl that someone's got to have this footage in the WB vault, and all you got to do is just splice it in, you know, a little bit, yeah. and we could try, you know, put the Elfman music over it, and I'm sure it'll look great, but I'd love to see it. This collage specifically comes from Bat Force Tom on Instagram. That is Alfie in the background. Moving on. Uh, so, <laughs> so this scene here is supposed to be kind of like just before he goes to take out the Goes thugs. to stop the muggers. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Sorry, to, to give full context, right? The... The family is around, the Taurus family is around Gotham, ends up getting mugged by the two muggers. The dad gets hit, the mom screams, and the screams get heard or across the city and apparently up above into the cathedral, which is an impressive scream considering how high up that thing is. It's about 800 mm -hmm. feet tall, according to the novelization. But yeah. at the very top, Batman hears it, and that's when, quote-unquote, one of the gargoyles moves. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. That, yeah, it, it creates this image. It looks great. Carl himself said that he had to think of how to make that work in terms of making it seem like he was a gargoyle who then had movement. And I'd love to kind of see that because it's a great description, but then you're just like, how does that work necessarily? And Carl said that he found a way to make it work. It's just, we've never gotten to see it. Unfortunately, we just only have this image. Right. 
Yeah. Oh, well. Footage is in the vault somewhere in Warner Brothers. Yep. Warner Brothers, please. Just release that part. Someone on YouTube can take care of the rest of putting it in the movie. You I know? mean, shit, if they want more HBO content, like, do like a brand new behind the scenes, never before seen footage of yeah, Batman 89, a- you know? Mm-hmm. 30 minutes, people eat it up. Put the making of a hero documentary on there. Put a whole bunch of other the behind the scenes type stuff because especially with the return of Keaton coming up, I know maybe not necessarily the Flash, but in Batgirl, they're definitely bringing Keaton in some way back into uh, the DC movies. Uh, that would definitely be another way to, to continue <laughs> Keaton, the hype. Keaton might not be coming out in the Flash. <laughs> he might be, but he's definitely in some other stuff who, with, who with people who are less problematic. Yeah. There could be... Something just not the, <laughs> just not the that flash. Movie just, that movie just might not happen. Yes. <laughs> Moving Warner on. Brothers, they're gonna go back in time and uh and and put the kibosh on that uh, yes. on that film. Yes. <laughs> Get the real Barry Allen to go back in time. Oh man. Create a flashpoint. God, dude. <sighs> man. Uh, All right. Anyway. So the novelization does keep the description from the script about Batman having the mirrored lenses in the cowl, saying that the mugger Nick sees his own terrified reflection in them, which, again, great image, but you would have really taken away the power of Keaton's performance with his eyes, man. You know, you need the eyes. I, I, I think so, too. I know it's, we probably cover this a lot on the comics, but like mm-hmm. uh, in, in previous episodes, but this whole eye thing, I just always have read this differently than other Batman fans, I think like I'd never really saw it as like something that had to be transferred to film. I mm-hmm. always thought it was just a, what do I call it? An artistic flourish. Yeah. I didn't see it as like something real. Like, I I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because I just, I mean, I probably saw Batman 89 before I ever read a fucking comic anyway, because I was so young. So maybe that was Same why, I, that's why I think that. Uh, I understand why people want that look, but it's just like, I don't know, man. Yeah, it kind of takes away from the performance as well. So, Yeah, after seeing so many different Batman in the cowl and just how much the emoting comes from the eyes, I know some people bring up like, well, Charlie Cox pulls it off in Daredevil. I'm like, well, yeah, because his character is supposed to be blind. Like the eyes sure (laughs) can emote, but he also is supposed to like deliberately not look at things in the same way that like Batman is supposed to look at things in terms of clues. So it's, exactly. it's just a completely different character. Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it'd be cool to see kind of something. I think the best compromise has been switching back and forth, but yeah, definitely like, again, great image described in the script, but in terms of overall for us, the movie, you wouldn't have gotten stuff like, you know, there's a great image in returns where it's just on his eyes looking at penguin and stuff. You just wouldn't have gotten that. That's true. And plus like, I mean, we all like Batflick here on this podcast, but the way it's portrayed is like, you know, and, and in, in Dark Knight as well, it's shown as like this technological thing and it's like part of the Bat gadgets. Yeah. But the way it's drawn in the comics, it's not really like a tech thing generally. It's it's just to make him look fucking badass like a creature of the night yeah. in silhouette. If you ju- if they did that in the movies, like in the net Matt, next Matt Reeves film, mm-hmm. where... uh you kind of just see these eyes in the, in darkness. Yeah. I think that would be sweet. That's the effect. You know, yeah. I would like that. Like maybe, he, maybe that's his detective mode again or something upgrade of the contact lenses from the first one or something. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, if they do that, don't show it like a tech thing. Just show it like a, just make him a badass night. That's creature. the effect. 
Yeah, yeah, because yeah, otherwise it just kind of takes away from the creature of the night sort of thing, which is why, which is why I've always kind of had an issue with something that looks very obviously armored. Uh, it works for Batfleck with him in the suit against Superman because yes. that's supposed yes. to be tech. In the metal but, suit, yes, it does work. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Yeah, but in in other instances, I'm like, eh, nah, I'm fine with the eyes, especially after Pattinson. <laughs> Pattinson yeah. kind of reaffirmed that eh, you shouldn't cover those eyes. He was like, so good, like the way he emoted, man. Mm -hmm. it, it was, yeah, I thought that was yeah. one of the best parts of the movie, which should should be, you know, he's yeah. he's the main character. <laughs> yes, he's the Batman. Yeah. So. Uh, moving further, the novel does have the original dialogue from the script with the exchange of the muggers saying, you don't own the knight, and Batman saying, tell your friends, tell all your friends, I am the knight, which, you know, uh, is just not as iconic as I'm Batman. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's very, I, I mean, I get it, it's cool, it's very cool sounding, plus I am the knight is another Batman thing. It's yeah. just, it, again, iconography would have changed. If you have him in the lenses and he says this line, just... Batman 89 in general was just completely different. Keaton's delivery so. of the line too. It's like kind of tongue in cheek, but still badass, you know? Yeah. And especially hearing something as simple as I am Batman as a kid, you just never forget it. Like yeah. it's just too good. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's simple. Like I am the knight is cool, but it's almost getting meta, you know, it's kind of metaphorical. And it's like, I don't know. It's, I know it's a dark comic book film, but it, saying I am Batman to a, do a thug is like much easier for a kid to digest it also you just feels I mean? closer yeah it feels closer to what real people would say like the mugger mm -hmm. being like trespassing you don't own the night i'm just like yeah he's terrified he's not really going to be saying that. he's just gonna be like what are you man i i know right yeah who are you man yeah <laughs> so it's it, it oh, plays man. way better in the movie but I, I like it as in terms of an alternative thing. But if it was actually in it, I'm like, eh, like you, you fundamentally changed one of the most iconic parts of Batman history. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, I mean, a lot, a lot of times people, you know, we see deleted scenes and things that were cut and, and then many times you're like, Oh, it should have been in there. It should have been in there. But then you see things like this where, you know, the right revision was made. Yeah. 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 So the book ends with a, pro, you know, the prologue. Sorry, the book ends. <laughs> we, that was an awfully quick episode. No, the prologue. <laughs> All right. I'm going <laughs> to recon, everybody. Check it out. <laughs> the prologue ends saying, welcome to Gotham City. But here's something we're going to cover. Uh, there is, and I'm going to pull this up in this view, um, more than one version of the novelization. So... I have a hardback version, the original, that contains, uh, I will bring this back here in terms of the remnants, but the insides are, the interiors are completely different. The text is different in certain parts. So the hardback version I have here, the original, contains a circular pattern at the top of each chapter, an illustration of Batman at the beginning of each chapter, and also contains photos of the movie inside the book. That's what I'm going to show right that here. That looks awesome, dude. Yeah. So this is a great addition that we have here. And then there is a revised version that I have in paperback. Condition uh, is not nearly as good as my other copy here. Uh, but the chapter names are just in bold font. No illustrations of Batman, nor any photos from the movie, unfortunately. Uh, but I have both Your versions. Own, that other version is, looks pristine. This version, yeah. I'm just, I was almost afraid to just start reading it because I'm like, oh man, this looks, this looks like this was like fresh off the press. That was hardback. 
That's yeah, a the hardback one. one. The hardback one. Uh-huh. With, and it contains the photos. It contains the Batman illustration in the beginning of every chapter. I'm like, this almost feels like I'm in 89 just looking through all this. So did it you was, get that on eBay recently or I got that. Where'd you get uh, that? I did. I did get it recently. I did get it recently. Um, I will uh, basically attach the link in our uh, show notes because I don't remember the, the site off the top of my head because I was specifically looking for the UK uh, edition basically mm. for this. I was told it was a UK first edition and I was looking for ones that deliberately had that basically said that they had pages or things that weren't in my other one. Cause the last thing I wanted, I mean, I would have lived with it, but it was to just get a copy of the same exact book. I was like, if mm-hmm. there are two different versions of it, I want to make sure this is the other version. So I made sure to go off of that. Cause sometimes if, if it's on just eBay or Amazon, they'll just be like, that's the Batman novelization. But if I'm like, which one they might not know. So okay. it's yeah, I had to I had to dig in in terms of just like, is this really true? Because a fan of the podcast, uh, Paul Wares, uh, let me know on Twitter. We we're just like, there's actually more than one. I'm like, well, I got this version. So um, I, I had to look. But basically, they have two different endings. Oh, really? So wait, so the hardcover yeah. is UK only? You uh, hard. Well, the hardcover was the first printing uh, uh-huh. that apparently is, I guess, both US and UK. I was specifically looking for UK because I was going to see if they have anything different. Um, mm. but I, this was basically the very first edition and then I'll go into it when we get to that point, but, uh, they had to rewrite it. Something's changed about the ending. So they had to rewrite it and then came the updated version that came out. Oh, so okay. cool. some people though, got the novelization early and some people got it a little later, which means that a bunch of people have different copies of the novelization might not even know it. So if you're listening to this and you have this book, check it out, listen Basically, listen in, find out which one you have, and uh, we'll attach some links as well for you to get the other edition if you want the other one. So uh, I could not find anything about this online in terms of the fact that there's two different versions uh, or any comparisons about it. So we're kind okay. of breaking. It looks like here on the on the good on the on the paperback version. It looks like they really wanted that. Uh... The page to end with "Welcome to Gotham City." That's Look how true. long the space they have between prologue, <laughs> prologue. And... <laughs> da, 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 da. It was a night like I re- any other. I really want that. <laughs> yeah, we need one more the other space. Ones, down like there. it starts earlier, and yeah, 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 yeah. Oh man! All right, so uh, this is yeah in the in the book. The prologue ends with uh, "Welcome to Gotham City" in the updated version. However, in the original edition, it says "Welcome to Gotham City." I am the Batman. So it, if you're looking at your books right nice. now, check out which one you have. If it says, I am the Batman, you have the original printing. If it just says, welcome to Gotham City, then you have the updated version. So uh, you can also tell that the one on the left is an earlier version because it has misspellings that are caught in it. There's a few times where Batman's name is spelled with lowercase, with a lowercase b. Uh, chapter 9 doesn't what? even have... Yeah, like it, <laughs> it's, it's, it was wild to see. I'm like, whoa. I feel like I'm in some sort of advanced copy stuff, went into a time machine and picked it up. So uh, it's weird to see in it, but that's where it is. And of course, they're corrected when I look at the updated version. I'm like, okay, <laughs> they did, some editor definitely caught all this stuff. But it is wild to see the, uh, the differences yeah. here. So uh, we'll go further into that when we get to towards the end. But for the time being, let's go a little bit into what Craig Shaw Gardner adds, because again, it's just like some of these deleted scenes we've talked about before. We've talked about the lenses. We've talked about I am the knight and the gargoyle. Uh, but let's talk about how it fleshes out Jim Gordon. Now, Pat Hingle's Gordon 
uh, is not just really given a lot of the same material that his successors got with like Gary Oldman, Jeffrey Wright. He doesn't have a ton of scenes, but Craig Shaw Gardner recognizes that Commissioner Gordon's one of the most major characters in the Batman mythos. So he gives him a lot more perspective in this book. He says that uh, Gordon's feelings about Dent are kind of, he's a little jaded about being in Gotham City for seeing all the corruption that's been going on. He feels that Dent is just another one in a line of, quote, bright, idealistic, full of fervor to reform the beast they called Gotham City. Um, but he's not sure whether or not it's all going to work. And it also says, quote, Gordon's own hands weren't as clean as he wished, which is interesting. It implies Gordon may have had okay. done some questionable things in order to stay alive. I don't know, but that's what we got here. Gotham's rough, man. Yeah, it's true. But this already deepens a lot about Pat Hinkle's Gordon than we got in four movies, <laughs> just off this chapter, the beginning of this chapter alone. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, Craig Shaw Gardner also says that Harvey Dent won the election in a landslide against the incumbent DA, and the voters recognized that the previous DA had been working for the mob in the past 20 years. So that's an interesting backstory detail that you don't get from the movie. Uh, also in the movie, the guy seated... Okay, so there's this guy seated at the end of the table that says DA Alde, which I always thought, like, oh, he was the previous DA, but... Um, that's probably not the case if it turns out that he was ousted because he was a mobster. So I don't know. Uh, it's interesting to see. Uh, we do get a little bit more of an idea of how corrupt Gotham is later on when boss Grissom goes into saying that he's kept the mayor in office because he thinks the mayor's an idiot. So like the mayor <laughs> isn't corrupt. It's just like Grissom kind of takes advantage of an inept politician. Uh, and that he doesn't see Commissioner Gordon as a threat to his empire because he has half of the police lieutenants on his payroll anyway. So that kind of shows the position that Gordon's in. Uh, so, uh, And also, Harvey Dent refused to be bought by Grissom, which is why he's threatened by Dent so much in this. So all stuff that lines up feels in character to what we've seen. It's just never really expressed in the movie. But also, it could have been cool because we, we don't get the depth of the corruption uh, that we get in like the Nolan movies or in the Reeves movie in 89 quite yet. It, it sort of paves the road. It sort of, uh, you know, it, it walks so that the other movies can run in a way for the corruption <laughs> stuff. I, I, but uh, Okay, let me go to Old Man Corner real quick. Sure. That phrase, walk so they could run, I always <laughs> felt like it should be run so they could walk. Because oh, the well, maybe the, I fucked it up. <laughs> no, no, no. You're doing it the way everybody's saying it online. Mm -hmm. But... To me, it feels like you, the the generation before works harder, i.e. Mm -hmm. running, so yeah. that the second generation can work less, i.e. walking. But, I don't know, this is driving me crazy. It's been driving me crazy lately. I, I think it, I think it depends. Have other people said this to you? I see it online all the time, man. It's like when, it's like when people say, I could care less. It drives me crazy. Oh, I yeah, could well, have it's... less apples, too, but that means I have some apples already. Right, yeah. Well, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. I'm down for like the original. Apparently, it's the UK way of like couldn't couldn't care less because that makes way more sense. I couldn't like, care. Yeah, I mean that's that should be the everywhere uh, way to say it. But. Yeah, I know. Yeah, because like I could care less. I'm just like, well, if you care, that means you care a lot. It means you already <laughs> care. care a lot. Yeah, yeah. I know. Um, you know. Yeah, I don't want to get in a fucking grammar Nazi shit too much here. I've I've been that we way. We are talking in the about past. books. <laughs> we are i guess so yeah that's true um but uh anyway yeah sorry i derailed it once again but <laughs> actually I, I wanted to say that just so like if anybody could explain to me an idiot 
<laughs> an internet jackass. If which way is correct in that expression, I would like that. In the I'm comments. curious too because I could see both the the validity of both versions of it. I think it's less to do about paving for. Well, I mean, they're both about paving for the next generation, but I think it's less to do about like making it so that they have to work less. And I think it's more about like just kind of enabling them to to do <laughs> to do more. So I guess it's completely opposite interpretations on that. They could but, run more free or something. Yeah, that type yeah. of thing. Like, I don't think they okay. mean they meant running in terms of work, but I can see an interpretation that lends itself to that. Okay, all right. Anyways, these days they say "quote is the blueprint," so eighty nine is the blueprint. That's what we're going to say on this. Anyway. Oh yeah, like Zack Snyder is the blueprint. <laughs> Tim Burton is the blueprint. <laughs> That's true. Dude. So, <laughs> I mean, look, we're you know we're, we suck Snyder's dick for like six months last year. You yes. know we love Snyder. <laughs> Yeah. On this podcast, but like mm-hmm. some of some of that Twitter is like insane. Like it'll be like I've seen one guy had a was like like this is like a hero with his arms crossed. Yeah, I forget what it was. I guess Superman or something. And then somebody, mm-hmm. some other hero was doing it, and it was like Snyder was the blueprint. <laughs> you think you most can't fucking blueprint somebody fucking putting <laughs> their don't. arms crossing their fucking arms? <laughs> it's fucking. It's a hero pose. You I know, know what I, I mean? Know. Snyder probably wasn't the first. He won't be the last. Like I that, think these days it's it's tongue in cheek. It's got to be parody. Otherwise, I don't I know. Mean, I I agree I, though. I agree that they are some fanatics to the point where I'm just like, okay, dude, come on. It's not all for Snyder. We like Snyder. I like Snyder love, a lot. Spent six months. Bit. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we've sucked his dick raw, but <laughs> but you know, there's kind of a limit here, guys. Yeah, yeah, this fan exactly. It's kind of nuts. <laughs> Please, yes. Anyways, yeah. Tim Burton's the blueprint. Moving on. Yeah. So, Gordon, uh, there's the corrupt cop, Lieutenant Eckhart, and in the novel, it says Gordon has been basically investigating him through internal affairs for a long time and is days away from pinning charges on him before this whole thing happens. So, that kind of explains why they're already at odds when he shows up, as we have this, you know, expression between the two of them. And mm-hmm. at Access Chemicals, you know, Gordon's got that whole thing where he's like, I want Jack Napier taken alive. And it's it's explained here. I mean, you can kind of figure that he, he just want, he wants him because he wants to arrest him, but also it's clarified something that's implied in the movie, which is that he wants to turn Jack Napier state witness against Grissom. So uh, that's another quality there. Though there's no way Jack would actually do that, but it's Gordon getting his hopes up at this point. So right. uh, Jack falls to the chemicals, and then we also get the alternate deleted scene we've talked about where uh, the cops corner Batman. Batman pretends to surrender, bringing his hands up, but then he drops the gas pellet from his gloved hand, and that allows him to escape. This is shown in the comic book adaptation, and there was a, there's a still of I believe it's it's not Carl, uh, it's Sean McCabe in the bat suit, I think, um, doing okay. this. But it's uh, in the movie, he just kind of just just like fuck that, he just throws the gas pellet down and goes up. So either way, it still works. This is one of those things where I don't think we needed this either just like i am the night i'm like eh, it's kind of cool subterfuge but it's the same like as long as there's the gas pellet and the iconography of him going up it's fine yeah i think that's fine too yeah yeah the way it was done it. was better yeah uh the date with vicky vale is very different from the movie pretty much what was in the shooting script before they changed things on set starting with bruce and vicky going horseback riding so that is the scene that sean young pictured here had been preparing for before she fell off the horse, had an accident, and was replaced by Kim Basinger. Again, something, another just random thing that fundamentally changed this movie, right? Because if Sean Young's in this movie, it's a very different Vicky Vale. 
Uh, and I think yeah. the image of, of Kim Basinger's Vicky Vale, the blonde hair with like the, the all black or even the, the white or depending on what outfit she's wearing. It's just it's part of the iconography of this movie. So uh, it's, it's true. It's, Sucks it's for her, though, man. Yeah, I know it, it does, especially because in the end, they cut the scene she was preparing for anyway. So it's like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Hollywood is rough, man. Yeah. Like, especially way at the top like that. Like, sure, you're making a lot of money. But mm-hmm. it's just shit like that. It's just fucking so rough. Yeah. So it's that's that sucks for her on that. Unfortunately, I think the idea was to plant uh, not only have the date scene, but also plant that Bruce can ride horseback because that pays off later on in another scene that they cut. So they just cut all the horses from this movie, pretty much. Isn't there uh, some phrase in script writing or something? If you introduce something in the first act, it's got to come back in the third or something. There's some. Old yeah, plan and pay off. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't know if that's the if you're referring to that specifically phrasing wise, but that's the general idea. You plan something, it's got to pay off later. So the horses were supposed to, I guess, serve that purpose. It's just they just cut all the horses from this anyway. So it's, cut, it, cut it, them it, out. Sucks for her. Yeah, uh, they, they during plant the date, rhinos in Black Panther or whatever, and that pays off in the. End. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, see, that's that's classic. You know, yeah, that's classic uh, screenwriting there. Yeah. Uh, so during the date, Bruce says that his back is full of bruises, covered in bruises, uh, kind of prepare her for seeing that and hinting at those being battle bruises from being Batman to us, the audience. So, uh, you know, that is that is pre Alex Ross having, you know, that famous image of the bruises mm. on his back. Uh, that is basically an image that is hinted at in an 80s comic by Alan Brennert. Uh, but it is like we never actually saw the visual of it. And the visual is not actually in the book either. So it's kind of just always been hinted at for a while until we decided to get really gritty and show that shit. So, oh, well, uh, there's no could you pass the salt scene either in this novel. <laughs> Dude, that shit always stuck out to me as a kid. Oh, man, what a long table, right? Yeah, I th- that is one that is not in any version of the script. So that's, I think that's just like, yeah, we're cutting this horse shit. What should we do? Have them at a really long table. Long table? Have them ad-lib a fucking couple lines. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, maybe something about the armor or whatever. You know, it's cool. Just we'll figure it out as we go. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where'd you get those, it, uh, where'd you get those scars? Oh, I, I got them in Japan. Not, <laughs> I'm going to rewrite that line right now. Yeah, yeah. In fact, <laughs> cut all the scar stuff. Make it about the salt. You know, you can tell that there's some improv too. Because Keaton, you know, she's like, do you like eating in here? He's like, oh yeah, I love it. Come to think of it, I don't think I've ever been here before. Like it's 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 comedic timing, and it's, I get that like it could be Bruce doing that, but it also just it has the feel of an improv scene. This is the first of those types of scenes in this yes, movie that has. It that. does. Isn't that funny? How you like? I guess we're adults now thinking about it, but it does yeah. have that feel for sure. Yeah, something a little bit, something a little off about it, but not in a bad yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, Craig Shaw Gardner also deepens the character of Vicky Vale in this movie. Uh, in the movie, it seems she gets pretty attached to Bruce after the first date and kind of, you know, starts stalking or investigating him after seeing that there's barely any information on him in the files in the scene that we're showing here. Uh, the novel fleshes this out. So Bruce has been attending society fundraisers, giving to new orphanages, but they cannot find any information about this guy. There are zero video records of Bruce at a TV station. He's found ways either to not get photographed because he's stealthy as fuck or <laughs> he's been pay, paying basically all these different people uh, to give him the photos they've taken of him. So 
this is really interesting. This explains why Vicky has no idea that it's Bruce at the party, why Knox has no idea it's Bruce at the party, because there's not a single photograph of this guy in any publication. He's only known by name. Um, I think part of it is also Bruce. Uh, part of it, I think, is Bruce basically being like anybody can compare chins. <laughs> you know, if anybody can, if anybody <laughs> sees, uh, can analyze Bruce Wayne's face, it could be linked back to me. But I also think there's an implication too of there's a relation to the trauma because there's a photo of of young Bruce that plays a role in this movie when they see that oh my god his parents were killed and they, it's a photo of him and I think maybe okay. there's a trauma associated with being photographed that could be part of that I don't know for sure I'd have to ask Sam possibly Hatt, but uh, I, I think it's more likely the the identity thing yeah you could explain it that way I think yeah yeah yeah. Uh, Another interesting change in the book is that Wayne Manor is not actually on the outskirts of the city, which I always thought was like, it's one of those things you kind of have to buy into, you know, Adam West drives his car past a sign that says Gotham city, 14 miles. I'm like, he drives 14 miles into the city every day when there's an emergency. So uh, Wayne Manor is in the heart of the city and actually, I guess kind of a gem inside a not so great neighborhood in this version of it. So it's like there's there's this gated community of him and then right outside is is the streets and he's like a 10-minute walk from where his parents died. And I'm like, ben, that's really I, interesting. I feel like since you're from this area 14 miles, uh, in LA it seems to take, it, it can take like two or three hours sometimes. Actually, yeah, I, I, I get, I'm getting your point here. Yeah, so yeah. That, that can be different depending on where you live. So I'll take that yeah. back. From people in LA, that's going to be like, Jesus Christ, that makes no sense. But I guess in other areas, it's just like, what's so bad about that? And you know what? The news, from what I hear from other, like, it's seemingly every city in America is getting, like, the worst traffic. Like, they're following in L.A.'s footsteps. Mm -hmm. um, I know Atlanta is like that now. Um, but, yeah, like, to give you an idea, generally in America, people will say, oh, it's five miles away. It's ten miles away. But mm -hmm. in L.A., the miles don't matter because there's so much traffic all the time. People only mm -hmm. say it's 20 minutes away. It's 30 minutes away. Yeah. Like five miles could take fucking forever, dude. Like it's just the nature of LA. There's just a lot yeah. of people here. There's That's more true. people in California than in all of Canada, <laughs> just in this one state, you know? So it's, you know, it's a pretty populated state. It's a big state, but still it's way populated. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I'm thinking, yeah, 14 miles. So, like, I think their idea was it's some road in the city where you can get there in 15 minutes. Yeah, I think so. You know what I mean? But mm -hmm. then again, if it's a road into a major city like Gotham, oh, we're, already, we're already thinking about it, like, probably way too much. <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, I think that's kind of the idea behind it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's also the reason why Matt Reeves is, was just like, fuck it, he's in Wayne Tower, just like in the 70s comics. You right, know, I, th right. I think that's was I read that that was the reason behind it and I you know power to him because I, I felt the same way I'm like you know what that really does make a lot of sense you know mm -hmm. that he would be in the heart of it still you know in very much Bruce Wayne type lifestyle but inside the city so that if something happens he could just literally just drop down into the Bat Batmobile and boom he's already there that type of thing so here we would have gotten on uh, we would have gotten. We get that Wayne Manor only in the book version, not necessarily in the, the movie or the strips. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, in the novel, it also says that Joker announces his name as the Joker 
by gift wrapping the remnants of dead gangsters on the st- on the steps of City Hall <laughs> in a Bob's large head. red ribbon <laughs> with a card saying a present to Gotham City from the Joker. I'm like, that's pretty dark. Uh, okay. But again, exclusive to the book. It's not in any, any other versions of the script. Okay. So I thought that was cool. Uh, in the scene where uh, we have this scene where Alfred, I guess, calls Bruce from one section of the house to the other uh, where, and tells him that, you know, Vicky will be late meeting you at the museum. And then Bruce is like, wait a minute, I'm not meeting her today. And it turns out it was the Joker setting it up. Uh, Craigshot Gardner has. Again, for young people, this would have yeah. been like a rich person move. Oh, yeah. In like terms to of call like, in your house. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, yeah. That's so. true. Yeah. <clears throat> so this is different. In, in the book, uh, this scene actually takes place in the armory room. You know, where he bought it in Japan. Like, it would have been there, which would have been cool. Yes. And Mm -hmm. so Alfred is oiling a blowgun that's there as he's telling Bruce, like, Vicky will be late. (laughs) I could just say Alfred in the fucking, like, that safari outfit. (laughs) The all khaki with the fucking, like, that, uh, what is it called? Pick helmet? Yeah. Uh, Alfred, you don't don't need to wear that when you're cleaning. (laughs) (laughs) You don't need to wear that one. I like to get in the mood, sir. (laughs) So, uh... In the movie, Keaton catches on pretty quickly that, like, wait a minute, like, this isn't right. Whereas in the book, Bruce is just like, I'm meeting her? I guess I'm meeting her. Maybe I've been so obsessive about stopping Joker that I haven't paid attention to my schedule. So it's... I forgot about thinking about Goyles. Yeah. So that's that's pretty much his expression here on the right. Don't. So uh, in terms of how Joker set up this date... (laughs) <laughs> we just figure, you know, Joker called up Vicky Vale pretending to be Bruce. But in this one, it says that uh, Joker calls up Vicky pretending to be Alfred to set it up. <laughs> <laughs> and in turn, Alicia, he has Alicia, his, you know, his girlfriend, he just figures, call Alfred <laughs> to pretend to be Vicky to schedule the date on the other end. I'm like, wait, Gardner, you don't need to do all this. But uh, in the book, it's it's... Apparently, Joker's plan is to have Bruce and Vicky both there at the museum so that Joker can just take out the competition and kill Bruce Wayne there. Uh, In terms of competition over Vicky's heart, not necessarily because he already knows that Bruce is Batman. It's mainly because he's, you know, he's lusting over Kim Basinger's Vicky Vale. Can't blame him. And he decides, I'll just take out her boyfriend. So that's kind of the the rationale in the novel. Right. Uh, But again... Kind of intricate for something that is just a very basic plot point in the movie, but I appreciate the effort for this. Appreciate that gumption. Yes. And so uh, Vicky herself is at the museum and has kind of a, she doesn't really flashback, but she says she was there when the models Candy Walker and Amanda Keeler died from the Smilex. We've only seen them, you know, their corpses, unfortunately, <laughs> for them in the in the movie when there's a news report about it, but in a deleted scene from Sam Hamm's script, Vicky was actually at the photo shoot where they laughed themselves to death. I think they cut it because it would have been redundant to the TV show, you know, the the TV anchor falling over and dying of the same way. You know, mm. it would have just been the same beat. So I get why that was cut. Um, and then so Vicky is there and kind of wondering why she's so obsessed with Bruce and wonders if, you know, maybe Bruce didn't even set up the date. Maybe it was Alfred set up to play matchmaker. She has no idea it was Joker pretending to be Alfred and then having his girlfriend pretend to be her and all that int- intricate stuff. Again, it, I like the the gumption and the gusto from Gardner in trying to, to add more on this. Because his rationale is like, you know, screenplay's only so long. I got to fill a book. Yeah, so that's his might assignment. as well have fun. Yeah. <laughs> he understood that assignment. <laughs> Oh man, we've been on Twitter too long. <laughs> TikTok. So, 
<laughs> We're trying to talk like the kids these days. I feel so, like the, the youth slang is no longer hidden from older people because, because of, of social media. Everybody's yeah. on social media. <laughs> like I know about I know about no cap and yeah. L's and everything. Drip. Yeah. Drip. So <laughs> all of it. So the, <laughs> there's the famous part where Joker says, where does he get those wonderful toys before it cuts out the back side to, to the outside of uh, the museum? In the script, the full line is, where does he get those wonderful toys? And he looks at the rest of a ga- his gang and being like, well, don't just stand there. Go and ask him, which is kind of funny. But I think the movie has a better flow to it. Where yes, he just, he yes. Just cut one thing to the next, you know, very like, here we are. Batman's arrived. He saved Vicky Vale. We can finally see him, you know, do what he does best in the Batmobile, all that type of stuff. But uh, the novel carries this through. And this is apparently the the image of Joker saying that, I guess, after the uh, the thugs have all decided to follow Batman and Vicky out there. And uh, Gardner even adds the inner monologue with Joker wondering, do I have to think of everything around here? Which is kind of funny. <laughs> I think one of the, the strengths of the novel is actually the author kind of giving, it's not really, it's not like an inner first person monologue, but you know, that third person type of thing of what a character's thinking. He does that mm-hmm. really well with Joker, and it makes he has that dark, twisted humor in the in the prose in the monologue. Okay, uh, for that. so it's it's really well done. That's cool. Uh, so in the book as well, when it comes to the Batmobile, the Batmobile actually has uh, voice activation as well as a computerized voice. It doesn't specify what type of voice. It, I think it's just a regular, comp- you know, generic computer voice as opposed to like Alfred's voice. Um, and then in one instance of foreshadowing. It actually lifts up and turns 180 degrees, foreshadowing the ability to do it in Batman Returns. It does not. Okay. He doesn't use it on a. He doesn't use it to burn a flame breather to death, a fire breather <laughs> to death. But uh, he does use it, so that's cool. And then uh, we, we got a kick out of this in the deleted scenes, but the ragamuffin girl <laughs> is here. Mm-hmm. So Batman, as she's described in the script, the said ragamuffin girl. That's how she's described in the script, not the not the book. But Batman basically saves a homeless girl from the Joker thugs who are shooting. Uh, and she asks, is it Halloween? And uh, that also shows up on the trading card. And I get that it would have broken up the flow. But this is one of the this is one of the things that I'm like, I would have liked to have seen this just because in sort of looking at 89 and stuff, one of the things that is not, uh, you know, different interpretations highlight different aspects of the character and and it definitely highlights the mysterious part but i would have liked a little bit more if you have to add anything you know this would have added a little bit more of the the heroism type of thing mm. you know he just saves this innocent girl from getting shot and, and kind of like smiles at her it shows the the compassionate side of batman that uh we've discussed is kind of underrated these days so i would have liked kind of that beat but again not really super necessary for the story yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I, I get it. Oh, this is nice. I don't think I've seen this shot. Yeah, this is a new shot. Oh, not new, but you know what I mean. This is a new shot to our show. So mm. I found this. It says Reeves because Sean Reeves of Reeves, Reeves FX has a whole collection of Batman 89 photos and stuff. And this is one that's behind the scenes with, with Keaton and the Ragamuffin Girl, played by an actress named Dave Lynn Rivers. Dave so, Lynn. Dave Lynn, yes. Um, okay. I don't, I think she's probably British because of the fact that they shot in the UK. Definitely, I would. I would yeah. imagine. I Dave Lynn, that... if you're out there, we, we're gonna interview you. You, you next. <laughs> we'll interview if we can for you on Halloween. On yes. Halloween, <laughs> you were cut from '89, but not from our hearts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. God, so she was probably 
what she's older than us here yeah she's a little bit older than me yeah because i would have been um yeah four or five in 89 she's probably got like some family (laughs) up there who's just like you were part of the i don't know she unfortunately all she can show them is the youtube clip you know okay yeah she can't really show them the movie right uh that's right uh, the, there's the fight in the alley that we know about. We do not have the moment where the guy with the swords comes out. That was, again, that's another thing that they came up with on set. Uh, but instead... <laughs> Stunt the... guy, can you do, like, fucking anything else cool? <laughs> We're kind of out of ideas right now. We need uh, a good fight. We need some, yeah. like, I don't know, Indiana Jones shit or something. Yep. All right. <laughs> I got you, bro. <laughs> All right, we got you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So in this fight in the alley, the book specifies that Batman actually uses one of the thugs as a human shield, sort of throwing him in front of him as he gets shot. And Gardner also says that Batman thinks of them. He describes them in Batman's head as, quote, pieces of living trash. So, (laughs) you know, Batman is (laughs) pretty vengeful in this version. So Keaton's Batman already (laughs) killing here in a way before he finds Joker killed his parents. I'm I'm fine with the fact this did not make it into the movie uh so i'm, I'm pretty sure it was in the, the script somewhere no yeah uh yeah the thugs by the way almost... the card at the in the in the other screenshot uh yeah. called him four ugly henchmen i thought that was hilarious <laughs> let's see yeah four ugly henchmen spot batman and vicky down the side four, streets. four ugly henchmen that's the worst thing about that's <laughs> not so not so flattering for bob uh, so. <laughs> bob the goon man Man, Funko. Is there a fucking Funko of Bob the Goon? Because, man, if there isn't one, they, they should, should make be. that shit. Because I would, should do that, I would yeah. buy that shit <laughs> as long as it's a below $20. Yes. Listen to oh, me, Funko. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> it's like 140 <laughs> Comic-Con exclusive $400 you know, thing. The, I like Funko. I have, like, probably fucking maybe 10 of them or less. And, uh, I mean, the... the Big part of their appeal is they're like eight dollars. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they should be yeah. cheap. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and you can get the Batman, the Keaton one, uh, from our store, <laughs> superherostuffpod.com slash shop. I, you know, so. I didn't plan on that, but a good excellent segue there, Ventavius. <laughs> I didn't plan on it either, but since you said Funko, yeah. Uh, yes. Uh let's see. Also the thugs tried to get Batman's mask off in the movie, but in the script and the book, they actually do manage to get it off, and Batman is just so fast in the fight that they never really get a good look at him before he puts the mask back on, which is kind of That would have been... That's cool to read, but to shoot that and (laughs) to light it and the fight choreography for that specific kind of thing, unless he, you know, used the darkness... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's possible, but it would have been a lot tougher... Yeah, you wouldn't have really gotten a showcase of, of the fight skills. I get it's it's definitely no warehouse scene from BVS, but it is like you would it would have been something closer to like the quick cuts of Batman Begins, you know, when he first shows up in the warehouse where you like you barely see him. It's it doesn't really count as a fight because you don't even see anything other than just him taking people down. So right. that's kind of how they would have had to have done it. Was eighty nine the last time we saw like martial arts showcase? Well, I guess I guess uh, the thing is the the Batfleck one is awesome, but it's not like 
it's not martial artsy. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Traditional Asian martial arts type of stuff. Yeah, like the the yeah. 89 one's in the 80s, and it's got like that kind of old school martial arts movie flick kind of vibe, yeah. especially mm-hmm. when that you know that guy swinging yeah, the swords. Definitely and that shit. part. Yeah. Maybe it's too cheesy at this point, but I mean, I, I'll go on record again saying I wouldn't mind Batman in the cape hitting mantis kung fu stances and shit. You <laughs> yes. know, hitting different stances mid-punch like if you know the game tekken lei wu long the way he plays is like one punch is is like mantis and the next punch is crane and like you know you can kind of like it's not like he's in crane mode for like 30 seconds and then switches it's like each punch changes the stance Mm -hmm. and i've always kind of wanted something like that in a superhero film that'd be cool i I think as well you know you, you emphasize the martial arts uh, to really show that Eastern influence, the fact that this guy really did go around the world. He wasn't just, you know, he didn't just go to the local <laughs> the local dojo, though nothing against that. But yeah, he actually yeah. went to, like, the Himalayas and stuff for this exactly. kind of stuff. Exactly, yeah. I want to see a little bit more of that. And, like, that's it's kind of part of the fantasy. It's martial arts fantasy. Like, sure, some of this might not work in the real world, but we're watching a movie. We're reading a comic book. Yeah. We... Mm-hmm. The part of the fantasy is the guy is so extremely good at martial arts that he can pull off those moves, that he can yeah. do that against guns without a gun himself. You know what I mean? That yeah. is part of the fantasy. So uh, let's bring it back, guys. Reeves, <laughs> yes. listen yes. to our cries. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we have here the the moment where the Batmobile arrives, Batman says stop, the Batmobile stops, and then we just cut to the, the Batmobile going to the forest, to the Batcave. But in the book, they extend it where the Batmobile actually gets into a kind of a car chase a little bit. He's not flying on rooftops or any crazy shit. Like, again, it's just, uh, <clears throat> he ends up just speeding off at 140 miles per hour, and the cops that are following just can't keep, you know, they can't keep up to him. That sort of explains how he's able to shake them off, because the, the cops are chasing after this Batmobile in the movie. So I think Craig Shaw Gardner was just kind of trying to, you know, fill up some space and might as well explain how, like, the cops are just not showing up in the next part in an explanation that is pretty somewhat self-explanatory, you know, but mm-hmm. kind of cool mm-hmm. it's there. Uh, we then get the Batcave sequence, and the uh, novelization covers a bunch of things we already covered in the Unmade Batcaves episode, but just to recap, you know, there's there's other things there. There's a crime lab. There's the products that Batman's testing that you can kind of subtly see with the, uh, the Batcomputer. Uh, Vicky kicks a pebble off the edge and it falls into the abyss and she doesn't hear anything land below because it's bottomless. And then, you know, she sees the gymnast rings hanging above the pit, which is just fucking hardcore. <laughs> it's like, let me just practice this and, you know, if I fuck up one day, I'll just die. It's kind of the attitude. It's pretty... <laughs> Again, martial arts fantasy. <laughs> yes. <you know? laughs> uh... There goes my crusade. <laughs> <Whoa>! <laughs> I didn't Did he chalk die going up, up against enough. Joker? No, yeah. <laughs> no, he died just being an idiot, says Alfred. <laughs> oh. Not putting anything under the rings. Like Wiley e. Coyote falling over. <laughs> so, Vicky uh, sees the bats and says that they're terrifying, and Batman just replies, that's the idea, which is cool. You're racist. Uh, <laughs> the the bat in the cage uh, is kind of implied to have been injured in the movie, and it's specified in the book that the poor bat has a broken wing and is just, you know, there to recover. And then we would have seen a closed rack of hanging bat suits, which we did not get to see until Batman Returns. And Vicky mm. sort of 
asks about the material, which is described as a, quote, odd combination of natural fibers, something stretched like rubber. As thin as the fabric was, it had density and weight, as if the center of the cloth was woven steel. So that's kind of a cool description of what he's wearing. Uh, cool. She asked what it is. Yeah, that's and, cool. Yeah, she asked what it is, and Batman says it doesn't have a name yet. Pretty cool. Uh, and then we have... Good way to remain ambiguous for the movie. <laughs> yes. Or for the script or for the novel yeah. or whatever. Uh, this image in the Batcave is probably the closest to what you described of like Batman in shadows, but like the eyes are kind of highlighted in a way. It's highlighted by the light mm. more so than the eyes themselves, but it's kind of the closest Burton got to that type of imagery, which I really like in this Batcave here. But uh, mm-hmm. in the That's movie, cool. yeah, I think, yeah, here is where Batman is pretty much like, you know, I want something else. And he brings up the cape and the bats fly and we transition to the next part. But in the book, Batman is actually backing Vicky towards the edge of the abyss, which is a little threatening for an innocent person. And then uses his glove to administer knockout gas to her, uh, which is kind of implied what he did anyway in the movie when he puts the cape around her. So uh, that's pretty much the, um, let's see. Yeah, that's pretty much what we got in the book in terms of the differences, but the book will start diverging even further from the movie, and we'll dive into that after the break. On the Hardcore Gaming 101 podcast, we ask the tough questions. Killing a Rayman, whatever that may be, is that really so bad? Like, no, is he I even mean, alive? Like, do we know? <laughs> he, he, he might have be any like desires, it. Cal? Does he have any dreams? We're ranking the top games of all time, and it's not a task we take lightly. There are three Battletoads, Drash, Zitz, and Pimple. Uh, they're all skin problems, guys. Two of them are the same skin problem. This has always bothered me. Zits, rash, and eczema. You know what I mean? It's like it's, <laughs> even that makes more sense. Hardcore Gaming 101, twice a week, every week. Subscribe at greenlitpodcast.com. We're the Spirit Hunters, and we're a show that treats Hunter Hunter and Yu Hakusho's author as the center of the universe. Some weeks, we do linguistic analysis. So the Chinese meaning of this character is to smelt or refine. But so the changed meaning in Japanese, it means to temper. Other times, we get absolutely smashed. So we take one shot every time. Yusuke uses the ray gun. One hour later. This is the least coherent episode. Oh, I think your apartment is haunted. <laughs> You can find out more about the Spirit Hunters right here on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Lord have mercy, y'all. Do you like hounds? Do you enjoy pooches? Do you find yourself enjoying time spent with that of canines? Talking about dogs, y'all. As you might have heard, superhero stuff you should know has now teamed up with BarkBox. For every month, you get a box for your special canine. Pooches. Or hounds. That's right. One free extra month if you go to BarkBox.com slash Superhero Stuff Pod. Follow the link and you'll get a free extra month valued at $35 and valid for all multi-length plans. So get the BarkBox for your hound, for your pooch, for your canine. Your doggo will thank you. Gentlemen, all men strive for gold in their life, right? Gold medals, gold watches, Gold everything! However, there is a certain type of man who goes the extra mile. He walks with the confidence of an eagle and giggles, giggles, in the face of danger. He's a big, hairless, winning machine. And when he unzips his pants, he sees platinum. That's right. Manscaped would like to introduce you to their best and biggest ultimate hygiene bundle yet, the Platinum Package 4.0. Manscaped is the leader in below-the-waist grooming. Now trust them with the whole shebang. 
Join the four million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code Johnson's Ballsack. Yes, use Johnson's Ballsack and use Manscaped. It'll help your confidence and to basically cut to brass tacks, it'll make your dick look better, guys. <laughs> it'll just make the Johnson look bigger. That's all you need to know. It'll make your dick seem bigger. I don't know how to make it clear. <laughs> <laughs> so Johnson's ball sack, that's the code at checkout at manscaped.com. Manscaped's brand new Platinum Package 4.0 is the biggest bundle they've ever offered, giving you a bulk discount on Manscaped's top product. The Manscaped Platinum Package 4.0 is the one-stop shop for the man who deserves it all. They designed this package to allow you to fully align your entire hygiene routine with elite products. Inside this Platinum Package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Ultra Premium Body Wash, Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo Plus Conditioner, Ultra Premium Deodorant, Crop Preserver Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Ball Spray Toner, Anti-Chafing Boxers, and the Shed Travel Bag to hold your goods while traveling. The Lawnmower 4.0 Body Trimmer and Weed Whacker Nose and Air Hair Trimmer feature proprietary advanced skin-safe technology to protect your delicate parts and holes. Both are waterproof, so you can shave with less mess. In addition to shaving, you can now completely upgrade your shower routine with the Ultra Premium Body Wash and Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner. You'll have your skin and hair feeling hydrated and smelling fresh. Don't forget to apply their aluminum-free, ultra-premium deodorant for that cologne-quality scent on the go. But it's not just your pits that stank. Your balls can stank, too. Thankfully, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner can solve this problem for you. Once they touch your sack, you'll never go back. Tone the balls, y'all. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Platinum Package 4.0. The Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag bring your comfort and boxers to another level. The Platinum Package 4.0 covers all the bases from head to toe. The best bang for your shebang. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Johnson's Ballsack at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code Johnson's Ballsack. It's time you enjoyed the finer things in life and get yourself a platinum package for your platinum package. Eliminate clutter and embrace the freedom of HyperX wireless gaming gear for PC and console. Power through all the great monthly PlayStation Plus games with the Cloud Stinger Core Wireless for PlayStation. Enjoy lightweight comfort with the reliable wireless freedom so you won't miss plot points when you head to the fridge. High quality HyperX wireless products can be found at most fine retailers, as well as online at Target, Best Buy, and Amazon, or you can shop for them directly at HyperX.com and HP.com. And we're back, and we're going to dive into how much more the novelization diverts from the movie, including why there are two different versions of this book. So, hmm. uh, the Vicky Vale apartment scene is something we've talked about. The you want to get nuts part of it, and how that was improvised by Keaton. It's another one that definitely has that feel to it. 
Uh, so uh, it was very different in the you original. So there were script. no no script pages for that, right? Like no script pages just, I could find. Uh, just re read just done on the day. <laughs> uh, yeah, pro- I mean, if there were script pages, it was probably written on the set or something. And yeah. we just don't, haven't had copies of that. But yeah, that, that's pretty much it. I, I don't I don't think it's literally. <laughs> Um, for for the, this is more for the viewers out there, not for you. But I, I think yeah. I don't think it's literally Keaton making shit up as he went along. On I think it was stuff that that was most likely crafted in some way. Some guy's got a typewriter on set, you know that type of thing. That's what I was thinking. Some guy click clacking away. <laughs> it's eighty nine. There's no fucking computers. Just some you guy. You want to oh, get nuts? <laughs> you want to get nuts? <laughs> yes, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably them sitting around this table in the background of this shot. It's like Burton next to Keaton next to, I think it might be Warren Scarron on set as the screenwriter. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, this should happen. It's just, just clicky like, you know, I've got it. Burton reads it as like, you're a genius. <laughs> God damn it, man. <laughs> so, yeah, we have a very different version of the apartment scene here. So it does start off the same way. Bruce arrives at Vicky's. She's pissed at him. Uh, in the book, she accuses him of being two separate people, kind of, you know, very much laying it on thick with a theme, but it does make sense with the context. And then the doorbell rings. In the movie, it's the Joker. In the book, it's a delivery boy. He has a box from the Joker. And Vicky recognizes, you know, the wrapping, the handwriting based off the last time that he left her, you know, the gas mask at the museum. So she freaks out. Bruce decides, here, I'll take care of it. Takes it into the kitchen, locks himself in there, and he pulls out his utility belt. So he uses a scanner from the belt. We've covered this in the deleted scenes, but he has a scanner uh, that they have concept art for, as well as a gas mask to uh, investigate this box. And he ends up using a kitchen knife to open it and finds that inside is the dead hand and dead flowers, well, fake dead hand and dead flowers Mm -hmm. that we do get to see in the movie. And it has a poem that reads, roses are red, violets are blue, these flowers are dead, you could be too. Okay. It's very Joker-esque. I like that. Mm-hmm. And then the Joker arrives, and he has a gun. Not just any gun, but it's the gun with the super long-ass muzzle from the <laughs> ending that he uses to shoot from the Batwing, which I thought, like, whoa, that's pretty cool that that's planted in this. It doesn't <laughs> really gun, need it in this instance. If that gun could take down the, a whole fucking plane, <laughs> it would blow Bruce Wayne's head fucking right off. Yeah, Bruce is like, uh, <laughs> no amount of silver platters under my shirt is going to save me from this. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. So oh, man. Uh, he basically does the whole, like, you ever dance with the devil by the pale blue light line, and Bruce recognizes it, but he also doesn't, there's some interesting tension here. Uh, there's no you want to get nuts apart, but instead it's him realizing that his utility belt is on the counter. And he doesn't want Joker and the others to see it because then they can put two and two together mm-hmm. that he's Batman. Uh, that's another phrase, by the way. I'm just like, why isn't it one and one together? Anyway. Good uh, question. <laughs> that one bothers me less, though. It, but, yeah, in comparison, yeah. It, two it, I and think two. could and couldn't care less is still up there for both of us. So Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> anyway. Yeah. Just real quick. There was that study that came out that showed that people that are grammar Nazis really are assholes. <laughs> and then after that, after that study came out, I really let off. I was like, you know, I can't, I can't be a grammar Nazi and <laughs> believe in science and still be a grammar Nazi. I believe in science. Yes. So like I believe in America. Yeah. Yes. So I started to taper off after 
after that. It didn't have anything to do with people's feelings. It had, yes. <laughs> had to it do with study. That study that showed without a doubt that grammar Nazis are jerks. <laughs> oh, oh, man. So a Joker recites his poem to Vicky and uh, Bruce decides in order to protect his identity, he lunges at Joker as like a fake attempt. You know, he's, he's doing it as Bruce Wayne, not as Batman. So he's kind of half-heartedly doing it, knowing that he's going to get decked. And so that's what happens. The thugs punch him and he falls on the kitchen counter and you know he does that whole thing where he falls on it but in a way to like sweep the utility belt away so that they mm-hmm. don't see it oh yeah and then, and then here is where bruce uh turns around sees joker with the gun and joker fires but out comes just the bang the bang flag that we see later on in the movie again something else that's planted here okay so it's just a joke joker then kidnaps vicky and outside when you know they could get police help, they're not going to get any help because two policemen are outside on the ground clutching their throats because in a deleted subplot, Joker has poisoned the entire police department. Okay. Which is pretty hardcore, but that explains <laughs> why you don't see much of them until the end. Uh, that's, that. a, that's like all the police being in a fucking basement in Dark Knight Rises or whatever that was. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, you're in the sewer. Yeah, yeah we need the, you out of the way. Yeah, and that was like almost like glossed over plot plot point. It felt like yeah. with everything else going on. Yeah, in that film. It was like, oh, by the way, there's no police department right now. Yeah, so it's just all. to explain how Joker can create all this chaos without, you know, tons of you know extraneous scenes of police trying to stop him and inevitably failing, so that Batman has to show up. The police uh, are corrupt, man. That's just yeah, how it is too. in Gotham. That's why it's a that fucking shitty ass town. Yeah. Uh, so Bruce stuffs the utility belt into his bag, but not before Joker turns around and says, never rub up another man's rhubarb, and then shoots <laughs> Bruce. <laughs> oh, so that's, that line is in the original part. And in this version, it's not a silver platter that gets the bullet, but it's actually the scanner inside the utility belt that happens to be around you know, Bruce in the bag that catches the bullet or whatever. So... Uh, I do like the whole utility belt aspect and stuff, but we would have, again, you lose a major part of the 89 legacy without you, you want to get nuts. <laughs> you <know>? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, again, this is one of those things where I'm just like, eh, did, I like aspects of the original scene, but we would have we lost something here. Right. So, uh, Bruce decides he's going to rescue Vicky, so he types into a pad on the utility belt to call for Alfred and then dons one of Vicky Vale's ski masks goes to the rooftop and starts chasing after Joker uh, from the rooftops. And he ends up, and here's where the horse thing comes in, uh, a cop has been poisoned and is sort of falling unconscious on the horse, and so Bruce just takes his horse away from him so they can use the horse to take off. Uh, he wow. meets with, Yeah, he meets with Alfred, uh, who pulls up in a yellow Volkswagen in an alley. <laughs> I guess that's Alfred's car. And uh, should get Alfred a better car, man. I know, right? Got like 20, <laughs> got like 40 cars. So, just... Any one of these would do. Like, no, you get the Volkswagen out. Why did you choose Bumblebee, Alfred? Oh, wait. (laughs) Different franchise. Different franchise. So in this alley, uh, Bruce changes into the bat suit. Here, he he also changes in the back seat of the Volkswagen. I'm like, this is a terrible place to change into the bat suit, but okay. Um, Here, he asks Alfred to get the file on his parents. And as you've seen in previous episodes, you might already know about this. This is supposed to be the sequence in the original Sam Hamm script where Joker would kill Robin's parents. However, mm-hmm, at this point right. in the script writing part and in the novelization, Robin has been written out. There is an alternative action sequence in place of that of Batman confronting Joker. And so this is what it is. 
Joker crashes the Gotham anniversary celebration in Gotham Square. Not Gotham Plaza, like in Batman Returns, but Gotham Square, where like City Hall is. It's meant to unveil a new statue of the founder, John T. Gotham, but it's been replaced by a statue of the Joker. <laughs> so uh, Joker shows up. He wants He's taken Vicky Vale because he wants her to take pictures of what's going on. And the mayor says, call the police. And Joker's like, what police? As he gestures towards all the cops that have been poisoned. Uh, which is kind of cool. wild. Yeah. yeah. Then Batman arrives. He wraps a bola, bolo <laughs> gas bomb around the head of the Joker statue. Basically blows the Joker statue's head off uh, as his entrance, which is pretty cool. And then he arrives to save the mayor and save the day. And here is art from our Patreon patron, Logan Wood, of this deleted action sequence. Of nice. You got Joker threatening he's got a gun on the mayor you've got batman arriving you've got the joker statue behind batman here and lord knows you got bob the goon right do we no okay never mind i thought that was bob lawrence (laughs) i'm getting getting their names mixed up man (laughs) lawrence (laughs) he's called steve arino in the novelization (laughs) <laughs> the guy, he's, he's basically called the boombox thug, but the, it's the bald dude with the, the long mustache. He's Does named Joker? Lawrence in the thing. Joker call him by name in the sh- in the movie? He calls him Lawrence, yeah. He does say he, Lawrence, He says, let's right? broaden our lo- minds. Lawrence, and then Lawrence puts yes. on the boombox and does the print stuff. So that's that's, that's Lawrence. Yeah, that's, that's Lawrence. right. That's right. Yeah. I was oh, looking man. for Bob the Goon. I'm like, wait, what am I not seeing here? But man, then, sorry, internet. And sorry, Ben. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No worries. No worries. Uh, so Batman's fighting off the thugs as the Joker takes the mayor hostage. And Joker says, I didn't know bats came out in the daytime. And Batman's like, just when murderous clowns leave the circus. Which, <laughs> you know, feels fine in a comic, but I don't really see Nicholson and Keaton delivering this uh, no. in this moment. Uh, Vicky then distracts Joker by taking <laughs> Hey, hey, t- typewriter guy. Type- <laughs> like, type up some new shit, please. <laughs> you want to get nuts? I'm like, perfect. God damn it. Chug <laughs> <laughs> my whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. These 1989 typewriters can't type fast <laughs> enough. I got, sorry, I got some whiskey and cigar ash on this. <laughs> <laughs> and some cocaine. <laughs> I've been up for five days. <laughs> One oh, second. As, as, as Nicholson snorts the cocaine off the script, he's like, ah, now I'm ready. <laughs> so, That's that brand X. Yes. So uh, Vicky <laughs> decides to, to try to do something during this. And so she's like, hey, Joker, over here. And she takes a picture of them. As Batman also, I guess, tries to distract Joker by flicking a Joker card out of his glove. I guess he, this Batman knows sleight of hand, too. And I guess Joker is distracted by the Joker card in Batman's hand. And Batman punches him in the face because he's been distracted. I don't know why Batman can't just punch him, but okay. Um, right. Joker flees the scene and Batman is not able to catch up to him because Joker has plot armor at this point. And uh, <laughs> they really need to make sure we don't get Joker captured this early. And find out that Joker didn't even put film in Vicky's camera anyway. So... As you can probably already tell, the Robin, the Joker creating Robin sequence is way better than this. On this, this is like there's a reason why this was cut. It would have been way more expensive. They even built the Joker statue, though. But I, you know, I think it was one of those things where like we're over budget, we don't have time to shoot this, and can we cut this and not ruin the rest of the movie? Actually, yeah, we can. It, it affects absolutely nothing. Yeah, the rest I don't of even. The movie. I'm sorry. I don't even know why we had you make it for three months, guys. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
Yeah, that would have really sucked. At least, like, at least the giant bat in the Batman Forever cut scene, it was cut, but at least, like, it has a legacy now with the whole release the Schumacher cut. It, like, it, it serves as, like, the greatest Batman deleted scene. Here, it's just like, dude, we didn't even really need this. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but just just yeah. remain in Planet Hollywood yeah. or wherever that statue is right now. Planet Hollywood. Yes. Yeah. I went there several times in the 90s, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, those are the days. Yeah. So... Uh, I can see why this was cut, uh, though. It is cool to see it, and it, I like the idea of Batman and Joker having another scene together because they just did not really have enough screen time together. I feel uh, in '89, if we were to if we were to say like, what could we add here? I definitely would have added more Batman Joker interaction, but you know, this this just wouldn't have been it, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. Harvey Dent brings up that two thirds of the police department were indisposed due to Joker poisoning their coffee, and I think it's because it's PG thirteen that the poison does not uh, actually kill them; it just kind of makes them really, really sick. In this, right? Uh, if that was Ledger, he would definitely would have killed all of them. He was trying to blow up a hospital, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, to be fair, I think Nicholson. It is in Nicholson's nature to have killed all of them. It's just because of the nature of this movie being PG thirteen. I don't think they they'd be like, eh, that's too dark. Uh, for the kill count to be that much. So uh, that's probably why they did that. Here's another difference uh, coming up between both versions of the novelization. Uh, as we brought up before, it was meant to be a young Jim Gordon comforting Bruce in the 89 continuity. This is in the original edition, the hardback version that I'm holding back, holding up right now of the novelization. But it is not in the updated version. So that's another thing. You missed out <laughs> if you don't have this in your novel. So... Oh, man. I'm not really sure why they cut that from the updated version, because it's not like they cut other things that were deleted. They're just, they're just like, yeah, let's let's get rid of this Gordon part. Like, what about all this other stuff? Eh, keep it in. You know? <laughs> keep in the Joker statue and the fucking sleight of hand coming out, of the Joker card coming out, Batman's glove. Keep all that shit. But Gordon, nah, let's get rid of him. Right. I don't so, know either. I don't know, yeah. It's weird. Uh, Bruce's flashback to his parents' murder does not actually take place in the Batcave. It does happen in the Wayne Manor study. And it sort of happens as a literal dream as opposed to a dreamlike flashback like in the movie where he's just kind of remembering in the seat. He's, lit- he's basically asleep. Alfred lets Vicky into the Wayne Manor study as opposed to the Batcave. And then she approaches him and Bruce kind of wakes up and he was like, it was him <laughs> in terms of figuring out that Joker killed his parents. Um <laughs> <laughs> Again, I, I like how they did it in the movie way better than yeah. what we got here. Uh, the dialogue between Bruce and Vicky is similar. It's just that we're in the Wayne Manor study as opposed to the Batcave, which then would have... Again, another part of the legacy of this movie is Vicky Vale being let into the Batcave by Alfred, which I don't have a problem with. I know you don't have a problem with, but people lost their shit when it came to this part, uh, apparently, because they thought that Alfred was just you know, breaking the rules. But... Alfred wants grandkids. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. He spent like the entire Alfred subplot of this movie is like you should get with Vicky Vale, you know? <laughs> Penis and rumps. vagina, Master Bruce. <laughs> Perhaps. So, yeah, I mean, there's look, the with imagery a, of the young lady. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred used to be more subtle. This... I've lost all subtlety at my age. Clearly you did not get the hint, Master Bruce. <laughs> You've, subtlety hasn't worked on you for <laughs> 30 years or more. Have more sex. Close down the Batcave. Start fucking. <laughs> I'm not getting any younger. Yes. <laughs> I do like that. I've put holes in your Jimmy hats. 
all of them. All right, that's definitely crossing the line, Alfred. <laughs> I don't care anymore. What, are you going to arrest me? <laughs> what about this kid I adopted to help fight crime? No. He doesn't account. Doesn't he's, count. Not, he's not blood. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> You're not blood either, Alfred. Uh, fuck you. It's <laughs> beside the point. I'm cracking myself up now. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. We may have got the sketches, but we actually surprise you with them in the middle of the episode. We're, sp- we're going to sprinkle them in the middle from now on. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think oh, man. they were smart to set the scene in the Batcave. I mean, it just it has just a much better atmosphere than if it's just in some random rich guy's study and just the contrast of the darkness with Vicky Vale in an all-white suit. Not a suit, an all-white outfit. You know, she's the yes. light in the darkness literally in this. I mean, it's just, you can't beat that Im- imagery no matter how dark you make that study. You even got the great Batmobile in the background here. She's the beacon in the darkness. Yes, this is a visual metaphor or whatever. Yes. Indeed. As yeah, how you build contrast in the in the scene, right? The, you know, yes. if you don't notice now, you're going to notice this after listening to this. Like mm-hmm. you're going to start noticing this in every movie you ever see. Like yeah. they, the way they dress the character, there's obvious. You've already been noticing it subconsciously. Mm-hmm. Uh but you're going to notice it probably more consciously as, you know, they they're going to draw you to the character they want you to be drawn to mm-hmm. with what that character's wearing right yeah so yeah yeah definitely so yeah it, it worked better in, in the in the movie uh mm-hmm. batman still blows up access chemicals and in the movie joker comes up and says up in the air junior bird man missed me ha 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 watch me which when you think about it what the fuck does that mean junior so, bird man he says junior bird man which again Kind of cool, because he says Junior Birdman to Michael Keaton. So, Oh, uh, foreshadowing the future. Yes, yes. Wow. But, yeah. Jack Nicholson called it, because Junior Birdman is not in the script. <laughs> it, it was typed up on that typewriter by the guy with a cigar ash, <laughs> cocaine. <laughs> Give us a who, line. <laughs> who was the guy writing it on on set? Uh, I think it was Warren Scarry. He, he co-wrote uh, Beetlejuice. Oh, Okay. Yeah. I could just see him like with Beetlejuice frazzled hair, just fucking like, <laughs> God damn, I haven't slept in days. Jack's like, I need a line here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. just like, Junior Birdman, miss me. Ah, uh, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what Joker was supposed to say is, hey, I'm going to, this is a paraphrase, but I'm going to the festival. I'm going to kill a thousand people in an hour until you show up. Watch me. That's why he says, yeah, watch me in the movie. So okay. I'm like, that's kind of important. Uh, in that bit, I feel like maybe Jack said it, and for whatever reason, his delivery was well. I mean, I'm sure it's Jack Nicholson; his delivery was fine, but maybe the sound was off or something like that. And they're just like, "Yeah, we we got to cut it. It'll be clear later." So it's not in the in the movie. <clears throat> in the novel, Batman hears Joker's laugh for the first time since he's connected that Joker was the killer of his parents, and it basically is described it, it is he hears the laugh, the laugh that he quote swore he never would hear again which is nice because it basically establishes that whenever Batman hears Joker's laugh in 89, he's reminded of the laugh of the man who killed his parents. Mm-hmm. So that, that's cool depth right there from Craigshaw Gardner. So uh, right after that, Joker and his men knock out all the guards who are protecting the parade and steal the parade floats, as Joker says in the inner monologue that he is going to ask all of Gotham if they want to dance with the devil in the pale moonlight, which is cool. Uh so we get to the parade sequence and Vicky Vale arrives on the scene and uh, the chaos around there she feels is worse than Corto Maltese, the war zone that she came from. 
uh, criminals have been taking advantage of the cops uh, being basically incapacitated and they're looting all over the place as we see in these storyboards. Harvey Dent has called in the National Guard, again, predating Dark Knight Rises and the Batman, but the National Guard is getting called in in a Batman movie. Uh, but National Guard will not be available until tomorrow morning. There are only 26 cops left in all of Gotham. <laughs> like, 26? Jesus. Yeah, so that's why they don't even show up till all the... Because some people are just like, how come there are no cops that show up to this parade thing until, like, Gordon just kind of shows up after everything's been blown up, you know? And this sort of would have explained it. I guess so. I never, I actually never thought about that because I just accept everything in this movie pretty much because I saw it when <laughs> I was five or whatever. I, yeah, I know. And you can also, I feel like it's an easy explanation too. You don't necessarily have to do the whole poisoned cops thing so much as like Joker took over Boss Grissom's empire. So he would have the same people in his pocket. And I'm sure even more so because they don't want to get killed by the Joker. So okay. like, yeah. I think that's a simpler explanation than this whole poison coffee thing. But Right. What do I know? Uh, so he poisoned the d- donuts. <laughs> and all the cops d- died. <laughs> so uh, Knox arrives separately uh, in his car and asks, you know, do you think Batman will be there? And Vicky's confident he will be. Uh, one of the parade floats actually crashes, and a bunch of people try to collect all the cash. And uh, Knox turns to Vicky and says, a girl could get hurt in a place like this, which is the line he says earlier. So again, something that was planted beforehand would have paid off a little later or would have been... This is more of a callback, anyway, to a previous line. But uh, it's it's something that's not in the final movie. Uh, Vicky and uh, Knox end up crashing their car, and a similar sequence happens in the movie where Knox dons a COVID mask and plays hero. Uh, but <laughs> instead of using a baseball bat in the movie, in the book he uses wire cutters to cut the balloons loose. Um, something that happens in the book that does not happen in the movie is that Knox gets shot here. Uh, but unlike the original draft where it would have killed him off, it just says that Knox survives and he only basically gets a bullet in the shoulder. So things would have been worse for Robert Wool in this part. It's a missed uh, opportunity for merchandise, I think, during the <laughs> pandemic. That's still ongoing at the time of this podcast, but I guess a little bit less so. Anyway, uh, to have the like that Joker mask, yeah, right? the colorful that, yeah. one. Yeah, the colorful one that he sends to Vicky. Yeah, that would have been great. I would have I mean, gotten one. Yeah, it's kind of more hardcore than a one of those paper ones or whatever the material is, but yeah, cloth. Uh, but uh, still, people would have bought that shit, man. Forty dollars, fifty dollars a pop. Yeah, <laughs> like come I on, dude. It. Yeah, right. Walked around it, had a filter on it. Yeah, certain people would be like, "Hey, I know that." Exactly. <laughs> they, they would know the one. Yeah. Exactly. You'd be in the know. Would have been awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I mean, not awesome given the the circumstances, but awesome as as an idea. A reason to finally wear yeah. one of those things. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know. Yes. Uh, the novel also carries over the deleted scene where the Gotham citizens figure out that the money that they've been handed is fake. They rub off the die, and it's Joker money. It's literally Joker's face on the one dollar bill. As again, something that he says earlier in the movie. Planted. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Craig Shaw Gardner continues to nail Joker's inner monologue when Joker basically gets flack from the crowd being like, hey, this is fake. And, and Joker thinks, what, did you expect me to give you real money? I'm crazy. I'm not stupid. <laughs> um, and uh, there's another part where he's like, apparently this gas that he's sending out with the balloons will take out not just the people there, but half of Gotham City. And then in the novel, Joker's actually very concerned about that because he realized he then thought about what to do in terms of how to kill the other half. So, uh, again, Craig Shaw Gardner, just great Joker 
inner monologue type stuff in here. Um, cool. The bat, the Batwing has a computer voice just like the Batmobile in the book. And uh, Craig Shaw Gardner also rewrites something that a lot of people have criticized about the Batwing thing outside of the fact that Batman just guns down a lot of the thugs. Uh, but one of the criticisms is that Batman is a terrible shot when he misses the Joker. He like has the targeting system right on Jack Nicholson and does not hit him in the movie. And in the novel, uh, Craig Shaw Gardner just kind of rewrites the whole thing where Batman is deliberately aiming at first at all the floats and equipment around Joker so he can take out any sort of weapons that Joker might have up his sleeve. Mm-hmm. He's not actually aiming for Joker in the sequence in the book, which I thought is very Batman-like. You know? That would make more sense, honestly, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Joker whips out the huge phallic gun to take down the Batwing, and the Batwing crashes. And, and what's not in the movie is maybe because they would have paid, had to have paid more extras, but a citizen mob tries to attack the Joker, you know, the survivors of this attack, and he fires his gun at them uh, to cause panic. Uh, Vicky Vale tends to knock his wounds from being shot, but, you know, she wants to go to the Batwing, see what happens. Uh, you know, try to try to rescue Bruce Wayne. And this is where we get into the two different versions of the novelization. So uh, the original edition of the book has a different ending than the one in the reprinted version. So I'm going to go into the original version of the ending first. Okay. Here's what happens. So Joker sees Batwing's a wreck, says that's awesome, assumes Batman's dead. Uh, he calls into the helicopter to meet him at the top. Uh, they say Roger, and then he thinks to himself that he's got to correct that guy and tell him that his name is not Roger. Again, <laughs> Joker's jokes in this thing. Um, he's, he's thinking jokes to himself. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. uh, he goes up to the cathedral alone to make his escape. He does not have Vicky. Uh, so after Joker takes off, Vicky then goes to the Batwing and finds Batman inside, and she helps save him in this. She kicks a metal shard that's been pinning his cape inside the Batwing. Uh, and Batman makes his way up the stairs to the cathedral, and she recognizes Batman now, quote, as a mythic Avenger who came straight from hell. He is no longer the man she fell in love with. There was no more Bruce Wayne in that face. Now there was only the Batman. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Batman goes up to the cathedral, face off against Joker, and this is cool. In the book, he flashbacks in and out of his parents' murder because he's trying to corner their, their killer, their murderer and stuff so it just kind of intercuts in between um and when he enters the cathedral he actually locks the door behind him because he doesn't want any of the cops he doesn't want anybody to disturb or interrupt his confrontation with his parents killer uh and then craig shot gardner just gets hardcore detailed about just how much pain he's in in this this climb up it says quote as the adrenaline drained from his body he could feel where he had wrenched his right knee he had to be careful to stand on it just the right way or his leg would give out from under him he must have torn something in his left hand as well. When he tried to straighten his last two fingers, he wanted to scream. Oh, my so, God. Pretty hardcore. But I always love the sequence in general, just the sheer determination of Batman. You mm-hmm. know, where how this guy just got into a plane crash and he's climbing his way up. Right. You know? It's, it's great. Um, Joker's anticipating Batman. He peeks through the trap door, wondering where Batman is. And does not realize that Batman has actually climbed from the outside at one point. Um, I, so I guess he's found a way to connect to the outside from the staircase. And uh, he uses the bat rope to reach Joker instead. So now it's just Batman and Joker. There's no Vicky Vale here. There are no henchmen. And uh, Batman breaks up, you killed my parents. And Joker says, oh, you're being childish just because, you know, 
just because he says that Batman made him, now Batman's trying to say that, you know, Joker made Batman. So this is interesting. The reason why I bring this up is that in the movie, there's a line where Joker says, I was just a kid when I killed your parents, which implies that he knows that Bruce is Batman or he knows what murder he's talking about. Mm-hmm. But in the book, he makes Crickshaw Gardner, the lines that are in here kind of are more about, oh, you're being childish, just saying that I made you. So it's like Joker doesn't actually know what Batman's talking about in mm-hmm. this. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, I will say, though, that a lot of the dialogue is just not as good as the movie in the sequence. Batman at one point says, are we going to kill each other, Jack? And Joker says, Jack? Jack's out. I'm running his body when he's gone. And Batman says, well, when you see him, tell him I'm going to kick his ass. (laughs) Oh, man, they just needed that guy with some cocaine and whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) Typing up wonders on set. (laughs) It just doesn't seem very, like, that sounds very much like the 80s action hero thing. You know, it's like, I'm going to kick his ass. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, Batman doesn't tell you he's going to kick his ass. He just doesn't. He's not going to say it. That's the thing. Like, that reminds me of, like, Momoa and Aquaman. Like, when he's like, I'm going to whoop his ass. It's like, it's pretty awesome because it's Momoa saying it's Aquaman. So who cares? But but it was like, are we back in the 80s? I mean, Dolph Lundgren (laughs) is in this movie, too. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. I'm going to whoop his ass. (laughs) I was like, damn, all right. That's Aquaman, baby. (laughs) Let's do it. This version of Aquaman, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It, instead, this was rewritten with, you know, you wouldn't hit, hit a guy with glasses, would you? Like, that's just way better than any it, of the stuff that's here. It is better. Yeah, just like Joker just has glasses <laughs> in his on his person just to make that joke. Yeah, Batman just punches him anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yes, uh, yes, we, better, do, yes. we do have a fight here. And Joker puts up more of a fight in the book and the original script versus the movie. So Joker pushes the giant bell into Batman to try to knock him down. Batman comes back saying, you ever dance with the devil by the pale moonlight? Now is your big chance. (laughs) Again, very 80s action hero stuff. Um, He cuffs Joker and uh, Joker uses the acid flower uh, actually on the handcuffs to get out of it. Kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Batman's been so injured by all this that Joker kind of defeats him. But as Batman's on the ground, he hears the screeching of the bats in the belfry. And so he enables the sonar device. Again, this is, you know, pre-Batman Begins and stuff. Um, this is even pre-year one, in a way, because this was written in 86, the, the first time they did this. Right. But Batman causes the bats to swarm around the Joker uh, on his way to the helicopter in this rare concept art storyboard that we see here. Uh, so... Joker's being swarmed by the bats. Batman corners him onto, you know, kind of shoves him to a gargoyle. And you know those gargoyles aren't, you know, super sturdy. The gargoyle starts to give way and Joker grabs Batman and says, I saved the last dance for you. (laughs) And they fall together off the top of the cathedral. Just kind of like in Arkham Origins where a similar thing happens where they're both falling. Mm -hmm. And uh, Batman uses the bat line to save himself. But (laughs) unlike Arkham Origins, he does not save Joker. Joker falls to his death. Okay. So that is the original version. Why was this rewritten? So Anton first actually has the dirt on this. So producer John Peters, fan <laughs> of giant spiders. For some, not a fan of reading. Not a fan of reading. <laughs> I got to see the movie. <laughs> Love Loves to listen. Yes. Great listener. <laughs> great, great listener. But uh, is partially responsible for this movie. Uh, was one of those who, you know, he danced to the Batman 89 theme when Elfman revealed it to him. 
you know, he paid millions of dollars to make sure nobody would fuck with the design of the Batmobile. You know, like he is responsible for a lot of great things in this, and he mm-hmm. is responsible for the third act that we got. So Peters was upset about bad press around this movie because there was bad press about Keaton being, you know, miscast. And uh, as the production continued, there was more about, I guess, Jack Nicholson being a 51-year-old Joker as well. Uh, so Peters is just like, you know, they think that Batman is weak. They think that Joker's too old. So we got to rewrite the you know, we got to add more action spectacle to this, which could be why they had the whole, like, martial arts guy with the swords thing in the alley, you know? Mm-hmm. Could be why they added, in this instance, it's definitely why they added the henchman up there for him to fight. So it didn't just seem that he's just fighting, you know, some, he's just fighting Joker the whole time. Right. Uh, and, of course, Vicky Vale's added for stakes. This was apparently inspired by the fan of the opera, and then they, you know, went to the set and had that dude on the typewriter between, you know... <laughs> Sips of whiskey. Warren's <laughs> scared. cocaine. Yeah. Warren, get Warren. back on that typer. <laughs> <laughs> Ever hit a guy with glasses? Perfect. God damn it, he did it again. <laughs> uh, Craig Sean Gardner says the Batman's ending was changed at the last minute, the day before the book was to go into production. The editor couldn't get in touch with me. I was out running an errand, and so he got Dennis O'Neill, longtime Batman comic book writer and editor, to rewrite the couple of paragraphs that needed changing. I will say it's a lot more than a couple paragraphs that are different in this, but uh, uh, if you have this later edition of Batman 89 that we're about to go into, you have the one with uncredited Dennis O'Neill rewrites. Wow. Which is cool. So uh, here we go. Here is the updated version that is closer to what we got in the movie. Once again, Batman's been crashed in the Batwing. Joker arrives, but he also captures Vicky Vale. He brings her up to the tower. Batman follows them up there, has the whole thing about him flashing back and forth with his parents' murder. When Joker gets to the top, he's surprised to find his Joker henchman already there because some people have pointed out in the movie, like, well, hold on a second. How, when did the henchman get there? Because we never saw them follow Joker and Vicky up there. And Gardner in the book kind of gives the only logical explanation that the henchman kind of ran off and moved up there as a kind of a hiding spot when all the shit went down between the Batwing and Joker. Makes a lot of sense, Mm -hmm. I would say. Uh, So Joker, his inner monologue reveals that he hired these guys from a Kung Fu studio, which is why they put up more of a fight versus the four ugly henchmen from the alley. Uh, (laughs) It also uh, describes this guy, uh, you know, the guy in sunglasses who really gives Batman a hard time as uh, having tribal tattoos on his face. Oh, that fiend. I don't think, yeah. Uh, which does not happen in this. And uh, Joker looks again at the trap door and, um, you know, uses the acid to take down the bell. And uh, when the bell goes down, he says, I must have billed the bat. And when Vicky doesn't laugh, he threatens to kill her if she doesn't laugh at his jokes. Uh, somewhat Joker-like. Okay. Very Joker-like. Uh, Batman arrives, mm-hmm. and we get the whole part where the thug comes towards him. <laughs> and uh, the narrator comments how Bruce has trained for years to react to these types of things. And then Batman just uses his fist to hit the man in the crotch, just like in the movie with the the cheese grater thing that comes out of his wrist. He does like a Johnny Cage uh, hit, like he doesn't kick the crotch, he punches. Yeah. (laughs) So that is. I would uh, love to. I would love to see him do like the Johnny Cage like splits to nut punch. (laughs) Yes. That'd be fun, you know. So he nut punches this guy. He's down. Uh, then we got Lawrence, 
a.k.a. Steve Arino, the boombox guy without his boombox. He tries to jump after Batman, who in this shot is actually Carl Newman, our former guest. Um, but he ends up crashing through in the movie. But in the book, it specifies that when he crashes through, he kind of lands just below the trap door on the floor and is knocked out. He doesn't fall, you know, <laughs> through and completely down to the rest of the cathedral and die. Uh, fun trivia fact, this slug shows up as one of Two-Face's slugs in the new Batman 89 comic. So the novelization oh, explains nice. how he survived. Uh, wow. Then we might remember that the main henchman that he has a rough time with, uh, Batman kills this guy by using his legs to take him over the edge. Uh, however, in the book, he actually does not kill him. He just knocks him out by hitting him against the bell until he's unconscious. And uh, <laughs> Gardner also brings up how much pain Batman has to push through in order to to pull off this move right now, considering this, again, plane crash, went up 800 feet worth of stairs, all that type of shit. Like, he is not in good shape right now. Right. Um, yeah, but Gardner seems like he wants to write it so that Batman isn't really killing as many people as he does in the movie, which is kind of cool. Uh, then we have Vicky dancing with Joker. She does not seem to go <laughs> tempt him into seeming like he's, she's giving him a blowjob like she does in the movie, uh, but instead she tries <laughs> to uh, she tries to flatter him and sort of walk him towards the edge so that she can try to kill him herself because she she's not sure what happened to Batman. So she's just like, you know, if Batman's not here to save me, I got to save myself type of thing, which is cool. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, novelization kind of answers the speculation on how intentional Batman, well, it kind of does, kind of doesn't, but goes into Batman's thought process when he sees that Joker is about to escape in the helicopter. Uh, it says, quote, he remembered Thomas and Martha Wayne, blood spilling on a dirty sidewalk, the sobs of the child he had been, the years of loneliness. The Joker was rising into the circle of the moon. Have you ever danced with the devil by the pale moonlight? The dance was not yet done. And that's then when he pulls out the bolo and, shoots uh basically shoots that joker so i thought that was a really cool part that gardner adds in that like inner part of him remembering his parents deaths and deciding he's not going to let joker go mm -hmm. at that point of course he wouldn't uh so like in the movie batman attaches joker to the gargoyle gargoyle gives way joker falls to his death in the movie he screams but in the novelization joker actually creepily laughs on his way down to the point where the laughter echoes throughout the entire square of the city well, that's cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Batman then uh, basically falls with Vicky, but uses the bat line to save them and then lowers them both to the ground where Batman then makes extra sure that Joker's dead by taking one last look at Joker's corpse. <laughs> so it's almost him doing the whole, I'm glad you're dead <laughs> type of thing to Joker. Right. So uh, after this, we have the Knox deleted seed where the cops think that they found Batman on the ground, but when they remove the cape, it's actually Alexander Knox. And this was actually shot for the movie, even though Robert Wold does not remember shooting it. But we clearly have evidence here. It was doing too much blow with Warren <laughs> Scarin, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Robert, we're needed on set. One second. All right. <laughs> I'm fucking ready. How do I love Warren? You know you Warren? have to just act dead in this scene. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> Did the wrong drug for this one. You fucked up, says Ward, as he's puffing on the cigar. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. <laughs> uh, at the final press conference, Harvey Dent announces that Knox is not Batman, contrary to what they found. And uh, Gordon announces that the cops are okay uh, after being poisoned, and many of them are swearing off coffee, making the crowd laugh. And, and the laughter makes sort of Gordon feel some hope in Gotham again, that his faith is rewarded, which means that 
Gardner has given Gordon more of an arc than Gordon got in any of these movies because Gordon starts off very pessimistic in the beginning. And right, his faith right, is right. rewarded in, uh, in this. So I thought that was awesome in terms of the book. Uh, in terms of the remaining deleted scene, we have Vicky Vale running into the kids dressed up as Batman. Though, in the in the shot that was deleted, it's them in like the you know, full on Halloween costume type stuff, and in the book, it says that they're just wearing torn blankets. They're not wearing any masks. Mm. Uh, and here's a new behind the scenes shot, new to us, but it's behind mm-hmm. the scenes shots of Tim Burton with those kids uh, wearing those costumes. So that's pretty cool. Uh, man, lastly, Tim, Tim Burton's like 29 or something here. Yeah. Yeah. He's super young. Oh man. That's incredible. Boring. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Vicky actually sees Batman land on a roof up above, but when Alfred arrives with the Rolls Royce, she looks again and he's gone. And the text says overhead, the gargoyles watch silently from an old Gotham cathedral. Long ago, it was believed that gargoyles could protect a place from evil. One of the gargoyles moved. It was the Batman. So, it's kind of going full circle with the whole one of the gargoyles moved. Bookends. Yeah, bookends. That's how you do it. Though the original edition ends with one of the gargoyles moved, I am the Batman. Which, I don't know, seems a little weird. I think the narration in the, in the updated version is better. Not as so, good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think they're just, again, Gardner's trying to do the full circle bookends because I guess his version of the original prologue ended with it, but it, it seems out of place. So I'm glad that they, they fixed that, but... Uh, this novelization, a few interesting things. Uh, due to a mistake on the producer's part, this novelization, uh, I'm not sure which version, but it was released a full four weeks before the movie was released. Oh, shit. I guess nobody gave a fuck about spoilers because it still landed on the New York Times bestseller list. Really? Yeah. Yeah, wow. it did. So it a lot was... of people had, were in the know already. Yeah, and, and I'm sure. Yeah, um, I think... Like there's, a, I think a Letterman inter- interview too, where Keaton just be, is just like, uh, so uh, Joker killed my parents. Oh yeah, spoilers. A uh, Joker killed my parents. Does he say <laughs> spoilers like, what, what, what? in the '80s? I don't think he said spoilers, but <laughs> maybe he said like, I don't mean to ruin the movie or something like that. So, uh, but... like that, it's like a fairly <laughs> recent thing if we think about it. Like up until like 2005 or something, like people didn't care about spoilers quite as much as we do now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. this is a cultural shift that's happened uh, fairly recently, I'd say. That's a good point. Yeah. You know? I, I, they d- definitely didn't care because, like, they didn't pull all the book off the shelves. They, they just let people buy it. People bought them. People read it and then still went to see the movie knowing everything that happened uh, in the book and probably wondering what the hell happened in certain instances. Like, you want to get nuts that's not in there or them wondering about like what about this part with the mayor and and you know the joker statue stuff that's not in there so I mean, if you don't want to spoil just don't read the book and don't yeah you know what i mean yeah, exactly. i feel like it would be fairly easy it's not like it's not like a trailer showing up on tv or that's true or something you know what i mean it, like, it was a lot easier to avoid it if you didn't want yeah. to you basically had a lot more of a choice back in 89 versus yes. now where you're just like you know you can't look at youtube uh at all not even to like Obviously, you wouldn't look up stuff, but like, you know, the algorithm, if you watch any single Batman thing and you haven't seen the new Batman movie, no matter what, the algorithm is going to show you like part where Batman defeats Joker. I'm like, shit. Yeah, like, I knew he's going to defeat Joker, but I didn't need to see that in the thumbnail of a video just because I typed in YouTube.com. No, definitely don't get on Twitter either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, this is 
This is a different time back then where they just let the novelization sell out in stores and Gardner himself appeared on TV about this novelization. Again, like his insane times where they're just like, we're featuring the author of the novelization of this movie. On Letterman or something? Not necessarily on Letterman, but like the Today Show, you know, like still like talk show type stuff, interviews. Um, I think there's some footage there from Batman 89, uh, in 1989batman.com of the uh, the news footage of Craigshaw Gardner on it. I mean, we can put it in the, the show notes, but that's how big it was, was that like even, even when they were still doing novelizations in the past like 20 years, I don't think they were bringing on, they definitely weren't flying them to set unless they were like already part of the, the movie, like if it was a screenwriter, maybe. Uh, and they definitely weren't interviewing them about it on, you know, the Today Show. <laughs> right. This is how big that movie was in 89. Right, right, right. So uh, this novelization also got an audiobook narrated by Roddy McDowell, known for being, you know, Cornelius and Caesar in the original. He was the original Caesar in the Planet of the Apes movie. Right. Uh, but also known among Batman fans as Bookworm in Batman 89. And uh, for us, our generation, the voice of the Mad Hatter in Batman the Animated right, Series. Right, right, So here's another thing that most people don't talk about. The audiobook is not... It is the book, and it's not the book at the same time. He's not directly reading from the novel. He's not directly reading from a shortened version of the novel either. He is reading from an abridged version that adds and changes what's in the novelization. This is a third version. This is a third version. It has the can you pass the salt scene okay. in the audiobook. That is not in any other version of it. And we're going to cover that in the Patreon because that's a whole oh. other thing. <laughs> okay. Whole, that's, that's the deepest of dives. We're covering an audiobook. <laughs> It's an adaptation of an adaptation. It's an not adaptation. on Audible either, I take it. It's like somebody ripped it from tapes and put it on YouTube, right? I think it's actually on Audible now. Is it really? Okay. Yeah, but the thing is, if you get it, don't... Like, I don't want people to think like, oh, well, like, it's hard to find, track down these novelizations. I'll just listen to the audiobook because I'm just like, you're going to get a very different experience. Abridged. Very abridged, but also like, compl- some things are fundamentally different plot I see. That's interesting. So... Uh, it keeps we'll you on your toes, man. The toes? It keeps you on your toes. Oh, it keeps you on your toes. I'm just, I thought you said <laughs> showing your toes. I'm like, my toes. <laughs> no, man. You think I'm Tarantino <laughs> over here? <laughs> no. <laughs> we can put that. Directed by Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> like that would be crazy. Uh, so this is what happened with the novelization. But for Crickshaw Gardner, this was not his only journey in Gotham City. Uh, Gardner wrote an original novel called The Batman Murders in 1990. Original story. Uh, Joker apparently is killing off people and the victims' bodies are being found in bat suits. Kinda Bro, cool. have you read this? I want to. I have not found it. It's um, got to be on eBay, right? For like $100? Probably... <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, let's, look it up right don't. now. I should look, yeah. Continue look talking, Ben, know. while I do this right now. So Craigshaw Gardner did that, and then he also did the novelization for Batman Returns, which, of course, w- of course, we're going to cover that. We've already done 89's novelization, Forever's novelization. I'm definitely going to dive into that. Is oh, it available? Oh, man, it is $10. All right, let's do it. First print, 1990. This is what the Patreon money is going to go to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's cheap, man. All these are cheap. This All right, is several I'll go get it. Yep. several of them that you can get. Sweet. Wow. All right, the Batman. Mur- if you want a deep dive into the Batman murders, we got you now. Yeah, I'll go. I'll get. A, I'll get a copy. I don't think it's going to get as many views as the Batman '89 novelization. 
The just only have a feeling. fucking video on the entire internet <laughs> on the Batman murders, that has yeah. that. But I mean, that, dude, this artwork is cool. I love that kind of like Astro? it's yeah, vintage like at it. this point. Anything uh, over twenty years or twenty five years is technically vintage. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's uh, it's. I love. I just love novelizations in general, just because it it has even if it doesn't have the deleted scenes, it shows stuff that is not in or has some added depth to it that the author is just like yeah what the hell let me put this part in let me make it kind of my thing so that is uh what we got for the novelization and that is superhero stuff you should know Mm -hmm. there we go so uh big thanks to our research assistant dan for gathering the visuals for this youtube experience and we have some post-credit stuff Thanks to Logan Wood, who did that art of the extra Batman-Joker confrontation, we have some concept art by Carlos Fuente of Batman Forever that we did not get to feature that uh, I believe Logan actually bought at an auction. So, cool. this is Riddler, looking pretty similar to the Riddler that we got in the movie. However, he's got purple gloves, and he's wearing the bowler hat with the rest of the outfit. Oh, right. As opposed to separately. So as opposed to with a, just the suit. So that's a little different. Uh, we have this. This is not Two-Face. This is Two-Face Thug. You know, with the, they had the, the red and black masks mm -hmm. and stuff. So uh, this is a version of it where it looks like he's got a little bit more of a battle suit on this thug. Right. Uh, so that's interesting. And now we have two different versions of 45-year-old Chris O'Donnell in uh, a weird... <laughs> This is interesting thing. I think from the neck down, it's pretty close to what we got. Though we have some of these like calf gauntlet type things. Oh yeah, uh, on the bottom. But other than that, uh, we have a different type of mask where it covers. Uh, you know the the mouth is exposed, but also the hair is exposed, but it covers everything else. Also, kind I don't of a like shin it. guard thing here too. Yeah, uh, he's also got a huge ass staff, the blonde one on the right. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, it's a little bit. Um, yeah, Burt Ward big. <laughs> <laughs> He's packing. Yeah, packing. Yeah. So uh, these are the designs for Rob, and I think everything from the neck down is, uh, especially on the left, is pretty much what we got in the movie. But is even on the one on the right is pretty, you know, is pretty decent mm -hmm. for Robin. But the, from the neck up, I'm like, yeah, like I, I get it. You want to, you want to cover it up a little more than just the domino mask, realistically, but. You know, there's there's kind of a reason why that hasn't really changed over the years, dude. It's you know, there's just they got face blindness in the DC universe. You know <laughs> yes. what I mean? It's just just get over it. It's just one of those yeah. things. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Especially with face scan technology on phones and shit now. It's just yeah, you know, it's just you just gotta uh, yeah, move past Suspend that part. Disbelief. Yeah. yeah. And lastly, it's an image of Danny DeVito looking at Danny DeVito, Batman Returns. It's. <laughs> Uh, it looks like the the original getup of uh, of Penguin and DeVito at the time taking a look at what his Penguin was going to look like. So that's pretty cool. That's a statue, or is that a double? I think it's a statue. Okay, or of some sort of something. But that's uh, interesting. I think that's, Tim, I think that's Tim Burton on the bottom left. At least the hair matches. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so that's cool. On to the fan comments. So okay. uh, Steve Schwetman. Uh, brought up a lot of stuff that tied into our 1985 Burton treatment uh, deep dive. So we talked about Wally George. About the, Wally George is the moderator of the Joker and Rupert Thorne uh, 
debate. And so Steve brings up Wally George was Rebecca DeMornay's dad. He was a right-wing TV talk show host whose shtick included throwing off guests he disagreed with. So <laughs> Great. Yeah. Uh, also, showing my age here, Ralph Waite starred as the father in The Waltons on CBS in the 1970s. Crazy popular show back in the day. And then when it came to Andy Warhol showing up on The Love Boat, Steve brings up Andy Warhol did show up on an episode of The Love, Love Boat. He played himself. Naturally, I think it was a two-hour episode. Jesus. Oh, my God. Right. Did we need that much of the love boat? But all right. They thought so at the time. It's a different Huge time, hit. you know, I guess. Yeah. Exactly. Thanks, Steve, for the uh, for the different uh, tidbits on that. That's awesome. Yes, thank you. Awesome. Uh, Andrew Medley. Good name, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Uh, talked about Batman the Joker's Revenge, the spec script that's been kind of lost and kind of forgotten by Ian, Ro- you know, Ian Mansfield Rothkirch saying, I have heard some things about the plot about him being back from the dead somehow. He's the Joker, dog. Don't think about it too much. <laughs> and hiring Matt Hagen version of Clayface masked as him while he slowly recovered from his falling falling injuries. And Bruce took Tim Drake as the second Robin and Barbara Gordon as second Batgirl after the events of Batman and Robin arc as Alfred's grandniece and Dick Grayson, now Nightwing, left Gotham. Interesting. So I think, I think they're just like, he, we have Robin and Batgirl, but they're different from who we got in Batman and Robin. Uh, and I remember reading about it back in the AOL days, the 2002 to 2004. Yep, that's when this stuff, I remember reading this. It is the only rumor of the good old days on the internet that has my interest at the time. And I was 10 or 11 or 13 or 14 year old kid at the time. Yep, so thanks for okay. the extra info. Uh, again, if anybody has this Joker's Revenge script, I'd love to read it and we can verify whether or not it has Tim Drake and Barbara Gordon and the stuff of Clayface. We know for a fact there's Clayface because even the, the release about his collection seem to verify that but everything else is kind of it's up for debate in terms of how true it is okay last one mike irish uh internet here i think there is a scene in the tv cut of superman 2 where you see that all three bad guys survived somehow and were arrested uh that's true that is true there it is only in a tv cut where general zod and uh, the other two are arrested by uh I don't know, I guess the North Pole Police or something, wherever he's at, (laughs) (laughs) in the Fortress of Solitude. The Arctic Reserve. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That's great, though. Yeah. Yeah. So it's supposed to show that he didn't just flat out kill them in the Fortress of Solitude. However, it's not in either cut, you know, either the theatrical cut or the Richard Donner cut of the movie. So you you can't, I don't know. It's in the five-hour TV cut. I guess it's in the five-hour TV cut. Yeah, like it's technically only canon to the TV cut, but uh, I would say my stance on this is that like you can't really say that it's canon as much because it's not in either cut, but it is something that stays true to what it feels like Christopher Reeves Superman would do. Okay, Turn him yeah. over to the police. Yeah, so, definitely for sure. That's my stance on that. Mike right. Irish, thank you. Yes, I yes. one time met a guy named Jeff England from England. G E O F F, by the way. And uh, I, I, went, I thought he was fucking with me at first. <laughs> I was like, yeah, my name is Johnny America. How's it going? <laughs> well, that was his name. That was my name. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, we want to thank, well, first, thanks, Ben, for the Batman tutelage once again. Yes, no problem. And, and all the comments, of course. And Dan and everybody here up on the Patreon board. Please check it out. I'll say a few of them. So I want to thank Benjamin V, Chris F, Michael S, Wyatt M, MetaGeek, Chuck, ATWT, and Yuli, uh, 
Yeah, we got a lot of new ones, man. That's awesome. Yeah. And yeah, other supporters definitely. as well up on the board. Check it out. And uh, yeah, moving on from that. Do, 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 do. So yeah, please check out the Shasta Army. Uh, that's patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. That gets you on that there board for the $1 tier. And then for the $5 tier, you uh, get a whole new show. This show you're watching right now is every Monday and it is free on YouTube. And then Patreon for five bucks a month. Uh, you get a whole other show, deeper dives, uh, things like that. Deeper discussions as well. And uh, yeah, that's a $5 tier. And you also get the $1 tier shout out. And then $10 tier, you get a uh, the monthly meetup where we meet up monthly uh, in a Zoom-like uh, call and have a discussion and, and just kind of talk with uh, fans, listeners. And uh, you, of course, get the $10, uh, get the $5 and the $1 tier as well. And uh, yeah, that's once a month, generally the last weekend or the last week of the month. So uh, check that out. That's a $10 tier. We have merch that no one buys, but we're going <laughs> to... You know, maybe one day. I, you know, I think again, part of this, I think we need some new. Uh, no offense to Wolfie, but I think we just need some something new in the new store. Art. Yeah, there's some new art. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's at superhousepod.redbubble.com, superherostuff.threadless.com, mug, shirt, shower curtains, and all the rest. Ben Man, Zacula, uh, and indeed Wizard art by Stefan Santa Cruz, aka Wolfie. And uh, please send us some kind of audio, superhousepodcast at gmail.com. And I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter. Thunderwolf lives on YouTube. Thunderwolfdrew.com has all my stuff except for one place, which is amanorecon.com. A-M-A-N-O-R-E-C-O-N.com. We're very close to uh, ending, uh, not ending, but uh, finishing up this like first like four minute uh, pitch video. Nice. Uh, we're at picture with what's known as picture lock. The edit, the it's you know the the vi- the the video part. Well, it's all video, but the picture's been mm-hmm. edited. And now we're doing color correction. There's going to be some final sound work and stuff like that. So it's moving along, guys. We're not a we're not a major movie studio here. It's it's moving along slowly but surely. Anyway, what it is is uh, I think R-rated X Files meets Stranger Things meets uh, Power Rangers, as you can see in this artwork by Zach, and uh, that's Zachary Jackson Brown. Check him out if you're really new to the podcast and don't know who that is. So um, that's it for me, Ben. Shout out to Comic Capital on Instagram, as well as the Everything Entertainment Club on Clubhouse. You can follow our social media on Twitter. We're Superhouse Pod, Instagram, Superhero Stuff Pod, TikTok, Superhero Stuff Pod, and Vero, Superhero Stuff Pod. My website is BedwanRider.com, where you can read a bunch of scripts. Gotham Vampire, Young Bruce faces off against the Mad Monk from the Golden Age. Elementary, The Death of Sherlock Holmes, a modern update on the classic story of the adventure of the dying detective. Curb Your Enthusiasm, Disneyland. Larry David goes to Disneyland and complains about everything that you might find very uh, very uncomfortable at Disneyland. I'll put it that way. You say so, pretty, pretty, pretty good, isn't it? Yes. He does? I Did I put that part in? I'll have to, I'll have to put that. I'll Rewrite. <laughs> Rewrite. Let me get my cigar and my typewriter <laughs> and go to set. God damn it. I just, I want the guy to talk. I want the guy to talk like that with a cigar in his mouth. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> My YouTube channel is in the description below where you can check out Doctor Who, The Ronin of Time, an audio drama I write, narrate, and edit where the eighth doctor meets Miyamoto Musashi, thumbnail by Dan. 
My personal Instagram is Ben Juan Ryder. My cat's Instagram is Alfie Pennyworth Cat. And if you have an Alfie or a peanut or any type of cat, you can get the Whisker Box, the only cat box with a crazy cat lady and gent. We should probably make it clear after all this time that we have a promo. <laughs> we have a promo with them. We're not just talking about them. Yeah, we're, you <laughs> we have know. a promo link with them. Uh, and we have a promo link with the Bark Box, y'all. Give your dog exactly what they want. We're not just slanging pet treats (laughs) for nothing. Yes. So you can help us out. You can help out your pet, especially by giving your dog or cat exactly what they want. You can use the promo links. We have those available in either the description below or at the superhero stuff pod.com slash shop where we have the bark box, the whisker box. We got whisper bidets. I think that's still active. Slanging them. Slinging him. Otherwise, we have merchandise that one of you will buy at some point. Uh, And then we have the Keaton. (laughs) Somebody must. The Keaton Amazon uh, affiliate link to the Keaton Funko. If you don't already have a Keaton Batman, this is pretty awesome uh, to add to your collection. So check that out. And uh, last but not least, Manscaped. Woo! Make your dicks look bigger, at least seem bigger. (laughs) Platinum Package 4.0, Manscaped. Use the promo code Johnson's Ballsack. Get 20% off plus free shipping by using Johnson's Ballsack at manscaped.com. Do you want your fur to be sticking out of your underoos? <laughs> no, you need that shit freshly shorn. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, check it out. Uh, Johnson's Ballsack is the promo code Indeed. at Manscaped. And, uh, yeah, get the Platinum Package 4.0. <laughs> so, yes, yes indeed. Yes. And that is it. So we want you to do, very apropos for this episode, of course, we want you to do us a favor. We want you to tell all your friends about us. Don't leave home without it. I am the knight.